Welcome back, people. It is episode eight of season four of the Taxi Squad podcast. It is currently Wednesday, the 21st. You'll be hearing this Thursday, the 22nd of February. This is a very big episode for us. We have our first interview of a former professional athlete. Shout out to Ian Gardeck, Crystal Lake King, 847 Woo. King, now a Scottsdale King, no big. We also have strange and unusual topics to get into today, and they do not disappoint. We will also break down MLB free agency and where are these guys going, and also just some other sports to talk about. It's the Taxi Squad podcast. Come on, everybody, celebrate. The Taxi Squad is here today. So lose the blues, kick back and relax for now. Talk about sports and stupid stuff. You'll probably be wrong and it might be rough. So welcome back. It's the Taxi Squad. Yeah. Vince, how the hell are you? I'm great, dude. I'm great. I'm absolutely giddy about this interview. Just listened to it through again. This is a great interview, everybody. Get excited. Happy February. My dad's birthday's tomorrow. Well, what? In two days. So it's what? exciting all around, dude. It's exciting all around. Happy birthday to Papa Glav has the, the best patriarch. name on the planet. Facts. Just saying. Also, Mike, in case anybody's wondering. Yeah, yes, his dad's <laughs> name is Mike. Shout out to Papa Glav. Great man. Happy birthday. That's awesome, man. You guys got anything fun planned? Anything new yeah, or exciting? New we're, doing, yeah. uh, we're doing a little brunch situation on Saturday. Whole fam's nice. going to be there. It'll be good. Nice. Yeah. Well, enjoy. Uh, who doesn't love a good brunch, right? Oh. You know, brunch is like the perfect excuse to cure a hangover because usually you're drinking something. So if you went a little heavy on Saturday night, you go do brunch on a Sunday. Yeah, but now, bloody berries, do... though. Ugh. Oh, I'm not. You could just drink Prosecco yeah, for breakfast, and it's totally acceptable. And just a just a of orange juice. I don't yeah. need a lot of orange juice. Yeah. Or... Or a very close second is a great sea breeze cocktail. And usually a sea breeze or an ocean breeze can be any combination of pineapple juice, orange juice, and vodka or gin, whatever you do prefer. I'm big when I'm on a cruise, I go tequila, orange juice, cranberry juice. And that's enough to get your day started, grease the wheel proper enough to make you feel good. Okay. And then usually if you keep going at those for a good two hours, you are shit faced by now. I was gonna say that's a zesty ass time. I feel like I after mean, that I'd be like, I'm going. Hey, hey, you never know. When they start the dance competition on the cruise line, yeah. This guy might just be shaking some. Oh, you watch fan. you watch Chicago Mike throw some ass. You don't you, see any other ass the same way, but you I'll tell could ya. see <laughs> Chicago Mike throw all of this lack of ass Woo! on on a cruise ship near you. Yeah. Just washboard saying. ass. Washboard ass. Washboard ass. <laughs> I don't know ass. if you want that. I <laughs> don't know if you want this washboard ass in your life. One lady does, and she's quite lucky. Hey, yo. Shout out to your uh, wife. Shout out to my wife. Well, that's good, man. I'm happy to hear it. Yeah. I've been in a, a whole uh, other state today. So I was in Dallas for two days. And that's sick. Now I'm back. Yeah, I was doing corporate mic stuff. Oh, I thought you just Chicago went there Mike. to roast cowboys. Yeah, no, I was just like just going to local ranches and being like, fuck it. Fuck it. You know? <laughs> it's just like sweet boots, asshole. 
damn. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm with you. Hey, yeah. I get it. I get it. I get no, it. I did meet a lot of people from Texas, though, and and most proper people who are from Texas just think the world is Texas. Yeah. And um, it kind of is, though. That's it's massive. Not tr- that's not true, though. I know. Um, People in Dallas think like nothing exists outside of Dallas. It's kind of funny. And then uh, on top of that, yeah, they all like to hunt. Yeah. Walked into one of the supplier's uh, offices today and just deer heads, buck heads. In the office? Oh, yeah, in the oh, office. Oh, sweet. They, they're all about Texas, buddy. Okay. They're all about Texas. Uh, not a lot of Texas fans, though, which I was kind of surprised. They're all Bama fans. Like, oh, Bama. well, it depends on where you're at in Texas, right? Were you on, like, the eastern yeah. area of Texas? They were in Dallas. I mean, it's two hours oh, from yeah. Austin. Yeah, you think it'd be Longhorn country. It, it, yeah, it's it's a little weird. It's a little, little weird. Guy was walking around with a cowboy shirt on. I apologized. Yeah, you should have. Uh, so, yeah, you know, overall good time. Did corporate mic stuff. Shook some hands. Kissed some babies. Good. Off the airplane. Home. Ready to jam with my guy. So let's talk about some strange and unusual topics, shall we? You got a little chummy with the guy that you and I are very familiar with, didn't you, this weekend, Mike? Yeah. 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 You didn't know whether to be kind to him or break his hip. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not, the second one is not that difficult these days. <laughs> the second one is, is not that difficult. But went out to dinner with my wife and our family, friends, John and Mary, uh, John and actually officiated our wedding. He so, did. Shout out to JC5. Um, we're all out to dinner at this lovely place called Renata, Ooh, which is in the Biltmore Hotel. If you'd ever like to spend $40 on a very small piece of octopus, that's where you do that. Okay. <laughs> uh, you're paying for a name because it's a Frank Lloyd Wright hotel. Ooh. It's been around since the 40s, and it's a Waldorf Astoria property. So okay. it's um, fancy. Money, Fancy money, baby. money, baby. Yeah. So we walked in. We go to dinner about halfway through our meal uh, after appetizers and drinks. I was like, you know, I got to I got to I got to go to the to the potty. Yeah. So I get up and I go to the potty and I'm walking to the potty. And some gentleman walks in from outside. Why the fuck are you night- calling it potty? Because <laughs> that's where you go to potty. The restroom. The, there the you little, go, better. Little boy's room. I went to the potty. <laughs> I went to the potty. It's like you're saying party so, in like a British accent or something. Went so to going to the potty. Uh, it's like, wait, what are you, are you going to a party or you got to piss? What are you? Yes. Either way. <laughs> so go, go into the party. And I'm walking and I see an older gentleman walking in. With a backwards snapback on. Backwards? Backwards. Like a bruh. Like, okay, sorry. how you doing, right? How you doing? Like, yeah. And he's walking in, and I'm looking at him. He looked He looked like he was a little shingati. Like, okay. like, he, was, like he had a couple drinks, right? Yeah, I was going to say, explain what that means to the mass population. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looked he looked like he had a couple drinks, but he he looked coherent enough, and he's walking, he's moving a little slow for his age. Okay, okay, he's walking by me, and like I stopped dead in my tracks, and I I, I it, like boom, it all clicked. I was like, that's fucking Tony Larusa. I know so that I, walk. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, he walks slow and 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 kind of triangular. So I look at him, I go, "You're Tony Larusa." He goes, "Nice to meet you, young man. I'm Tony." I was like, "I said Tony." We miss you, man. He was like, <laughs> Honestly, well, thanks, yeah. man. He's like, well, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. He said, you know, I had to 
I had to step down because of health issues. And he said, otherwise, I'd still be there. Uh, I said, well, sir, I'm, I'm the, probably the largest White Sox fan you'll ever meet. I said, I love my team. I just moved out to Arizona. I said, but, you know, I plan on getting to some spring training games. He's like, well, I'll tell you this. We might surprise some people this year. I was like, really? How would you know that? He goes, well, I'm advising for them right now. I said, of course you are. And we talked a little bit. There he is. Yeah, there he look is. At the guy. The TLR. Look at the there guy. he is, the TLR. Doesn't have many teeth. <laughs> That's okay. So TLR and I start talking. And he's like, yeah, you know, I think we got a really good young core. I think we're going to surprise some people this year. He goes, you know, our, our pitching staff, he said, crochet looks to be a real deal starting. I said, okay. okay. And then uh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> I said, you know, I, I just don't know about Grafal. He said, I'm telling you, Grafal is a, is a great coach. What is he supposed like, to say though? You know, that's what I'm saying. Like I said, and I was thinking that to myself, what was he going to say? Yeah, we're really going to fucking suck this year. We're probably going to lose another 102 games. Yeah, we are. Well, it is like, going to happen. Yeah, but... it's headed that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we started chatting just a little bit more about the team where we're headed. I asked him specifically about Dylan Cease and what he thinks is going to happen with that. I said, is, is Cease getting traded? I said, I saw he showed up to training camp. I said, how does that look? He goes, oh, Cease looks like Cease. He, he looks great. He's like, the issue with Cease is that he's a Boris client and there's no way we're re-signing him. So there is no doubt that he'll be moved by the trade deadline. Yeah. Whether they move him for a package that's too good to be true, let's just hope he stays healthy enough. Yeah. Um, he also called out uh, some good young closers that could be in the mix for us this year, even though we don't have a closer right now, considering the floppy piece of shit, a.k.a. Liam Hendricks is no longer with the team, which I'm very happy Boston about. Red Sox. Enjoy your time there, Liam. I love you, and you're the best. Oh yeah, he'll he'll uh, he'll have uh, very, very great success in Boston. They'll I eat mean, him alive after he gives up a walk off home run on a 96 mile an hour fastball straight down the God, middle with no movement. The bases are loaded. So just saying. All right, I, I digress. So we started talking a little bit about that. I asked, I said, "What are we doing for the shortstop position this year?" I said, "I know Nicky Lopez looks to be the guy." I said, Colson Montgomery, I said, by the way, looks to be the real deal. He said, that kid, if they don't rush him, he will be like a Corey Seager. Yeah. I was like, really? He said, I'm going to say that again if they don't rush him. I said, do you think he'll see the league this year? He said, I don't think he should. He said, okay. I still think he needs one more year in order to develop. And then next year, he's full, full go. So I take that as he'll be up by the All-Star break. Yeah. I mean, Seeger um, was his player comp. Seeger was his player comp when he was coming up. So, well, which is great. I mean, I, yeah. I would n love nothing more to hear that. But I mean, that was kind of the extent of the convo. I told him I'm going to be going to the spring training game Monday afternoon, which oh, I yeah. am stoked about. Everybody's going to be at work, but I don't have a ton going on. So I'm going to go work from a ballpark. That's awesome. Could be worse, right? Life is good. So with that, I told him I was going to be at the game. And he's like, oh, all right, well, we'll see you on Monday. I was like, what does that mean? Does and that mean <laughs> I asked him, I was like, well, could I ask for you at the game, Tony? He was like, no. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. come on. I was like, damn it. I'm going to sit with TLR and watch a ball game. Grab and break it down. But yeah, no. And I didn't have enough time to plug the pod, so I feel like an asshole. God, but what are you going to do? What, what the fuck are we going to have? I mean, TLR after he listens, if he ever listens to this part of the podcast, he'd be like, yeah, I'm not going on there. <laughs> Why? Because Very we're like, nice. he said they were going to be good, even though we're going to lose 102 games again this year, <laughs> which we I are. Mean, listen, and I yeah. told him, I said, there is nothing more that I'd love to see this team win. I said, I'm sorry. I just don't have a lot of faith right now. Yeah. 
He said, I can understand why you don't. He said, but I really like Chris Getz and I believe his vision is just. I said, okay. I wanted, I really took everything out of me not to ask the question. I wanted to ask, is it true we don't have an analytics department? Yeah, that would have been nice to know. And he would have been like, what are analytics? <laughs> what are analytics? I know baseball from 1987. Yeah. <laughs> small um, ball, baby, small ball. <laughs> small ball, just bunting and bunting. Um, yeah, no. So all in all, TLR is a really nice guy. He was very approachable. Good. And I finished the conversation. I said, well, Mr. LaRusso, it was a pleasure to meet you, sir. He said, young man, my name is Tony. My father was Mr. LaRusso. He's like, it was great meeting you. We'll see you Monday. I was like, cool. Well, okay, I'm a TLR. And then Media he, training, said, man. he said, he uh, said, Chris Jones, or was, is it Chris Young? The yeah, GM the Rangers? Of the, yeah, Chris, yeah Chris the Young. GM of the Texas Rangers was also at the Biltmore Hotel. So a lot of these guys are out here for winter meetings right now, and it's kicking off. So it's an exciting time to live in Arizona because all of the baseball is beginning, and it, the weather is just so ideal for it, too. Yeah, I yeah. get that. That's exciting, so, man. That's fun. Yeah, shout-out to TLR. Shout-out to Chicago White Sox. We'll see what happens. Did Did you also hear on a strange and unusual topic that um, Jerry Reinsdorf is going to the Illinois Senate in order to request a billion dollars of fucking funding for a new ballpark, considering the man's a fucking billionaire as it is. Why doesn't he oh just my. rent? Why doesn't he oh. just rent gouge everybody again? That well, that's great what they're saying. Time. They're going to try and figure out how to tax the fucking piss out of this mm -hmm. so that they can build their ballpark. And of course, he I'm not going to spend the dime of this money that I've been attaining from 1991. I'm going to threaten to move the team to Nashville. And now I'll show you. And then they always just go, okay, whatever you want, Jerry. It's just garbage. It's such garbage, dude. He's literally a poison in this city. I understand that he and his ownership, he's brought seven championships to us. Garbage. Regardless, that was done despite him or in spite or whatever the terminology is. That's how that happened. I'm so okay. We'll see. We'll see, Jerry. We'll see how that works for you, man. Yeah, Jerry. In other news, though, eight players suspended from the Texas A&M Commerce and incarnate word <laughs> that's the other school oh i know i don't know who they are but this was a fun one uh 76 72 overtime victory Ooh. for texas a&m commerce over incarnate ward i feel like i'm defense, in a fever defense. dream yeah um they're in the the handshake line and then a brawl comes out uh-oh incarnate word is a catholic institution if i'm not mistaken uh, looking at it, it sounds right about now. sounds quite Catholic. Yeah, eight players suspended though. So for Incarnate Word, there is one guy for three games, a couple for two. Texas A and M Commerce, three guys were suspended for three games, one suspended for one game. Don't know how they end up laying those out, but uh, they say that they respect the decisions made by the Southland Conference, another conference I've never heard of, and they're going to honor them. They would like to thank the SLC office for handling this matter fair and efficiently. Um, I like this. I don't care what anybody says. I like a little brawl. The, the brawl, which broke out during the handshake line, lasted for more than a minute and spilled out across the floor as players and coaches from both teams attempted to stop the, in quote, melee. Brother. It's unclear what sparked the fight. So what sparked the fight, Vince? Hey, what's up, Someone dude? 
you're in the handshake line. Bitch Someone at the boy. end of the line, he was just like, I ate your no, not ate your ass, excuse me. I ate <laughs> I, I ate, ate that booty hole clean, son. <laughs> No, I ate that shit like like Kobayashi. <laughs> I meant to say I ate your ass for lunch, I think would be the terminology. There's probably a guy that just absolutely diced somebody up. Someone got pissed. A couple hands are thrown. And you know how that escalates. Honestly, could have been malice at the palace if it weren't for nobody being in the stands. So, palace, man. yeah, what a time. Um, but yeah, no, I like this. We need some actual like. And that's the thing. People say that about NBA players all the time. It's like, hey, they're. All bark, no bite. This is just pure bite, baby. This is just pure. They're biting. And if you watch they can, it, they can hit. At that price it, point, they can hit. Oh, yeah. They're in a circle, and it's just like, boom, boom. You just see hands flying. It's sick. <laughs> he can hit. He His can. coaches come in. No, wait, wait, wait. He can hit. He can hit. It's unclear what sparked the fight. I think someone was talking shit, or someone said something that was what, across the line. Did he, or did he say something mad. about his mama? Did he, say, did he bring like up a mother? I feel like there had to be a mother. Usually, if a mama's involved, hands get thrown. Which agreed, and with you, um, but also someone, my mama. someone might have gotten mad. Uh, they said there's no place for this in college sports, and I say wrong. There's more room for that. More brawls, please, because I need more bite than bark, and I've gotten too much bark, not enough bite, which we'll talk to about at the end of this episode as well. So. Barking and biting? Well, the fact that some players in the NBA are too good of friends and they don't compete with each other anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Which we'll get to. Well, not to bury the lead, but we got to talk about the NBA All-Star Game because it's yes. the most horrific piece of shit that ever piece of shit. But you know what? It's good to see guys getting energized in the game of basketball. Usually it's a silly nanny bitch-ass boy game. Yeah. And these guys aren't aggressive anymore, so it's good to see some hands thrown. Beat the fuck out of each other, will you? Yeah. Go to Come the on. South. Go to the Southland Conference and bring yeah. your brass knuckles, baby, because we're go, fighting. Go to Texas A&M. <laughs> Commerce. commerce or incarnate let's break, word let's break down this texas a&m commerce thing for a fact for, for i us, okay i know exactly what it is i know exactly what it is i mean is it just like the team store and it's the players <laughs> who are work in the store considering it's commerce no no this is the commerce branch of texas a&m so this is probably is like it's the same idea as like u of i springfield you ever seen that before or like I, I what oh, I believe I it to be, and I could field. be wrong, but I think this is probably Texas A and M, but it's a branch out that only does like money stuff, maybe. That's my Okay. Okay. Or commerce and is a they place have in their Texas. own basketball team. So does Texas A and M play Texas A and M commerce? And just no, because them? these guys are not in the SEC. That's where A and M is, yeah. So okay. So is it like Okay, so is it this like, is like Notre Mac. Dame? This is like Mac. Is it is it like Notre Dame and then there's St. Mary's, right? Yeah, yeah, just about. But St. Mary's is D1, yeah. though. Yeah. Well, this like, is low-level D1. Right. This would be like, like I don't know, Toledo, maybe? <laughs> like it's This is like NIU facing like somebody where NIU would never play Alabama, you know what I'm saying? It's that kind of deal. Yeah. Like, if these guys aren't yeah. going to be in, in the um, – Round of 64 of March Madness. But I wish they were because hands would be thrown. I want that. 
That's what the NBA is missing. Guys got to get in some fist fights. Anytime right. guys get in fist fights now, indefinitely suspended. It's we like, need well, our Ron Artest. We need, well, we actually do because Isaiah meta. Stewart. This is another one too. Did you hear about this Isaiah Stewart Light bulb. stuff? No, what happened to Isaiah Stewart? Isaiah Stewart got suspended from the NBA for having a fun little time in the tunnels pregame. Isaiah Stewart punched Was a guy. Smoking the pot? Oh. No. So Drew Eubanks. I don't know what happened between them. Isaiah Stewart punched Drew Eubanks in the pregame or in pregame in the tunnels of the facility and got arrested. So <laughs> Isaiah Stewart, and I don't know if you remember this, we went over him one time too, because he got another brawl on the on the court. And I'm like kind of like cool with it because you know, the Pistons could use a little bit of gusto on their team sure, right now. Sure, um, sure. But February 23rd, so tomorrow when you're listening to this, is the court date for this man. He was arrested, and they said detectives are investigating the assault that happened. What I assume probably happened is they had some beef before or after it, but both officers spoke to both players, number of witnesses to the incident. It was an argument before they arrived at the arena. So whatever was going on, they came into it. Isaiah Stewart said, enough of your bitch-ass shit. I'm going to beat your ass now. So he did that, got arrested, and alas, the game still went on. Wow. Yeah. So they were without their guy because he beat the fuck out of some random bystander? At, no, no. Drew Eubanks is on the Suns. Oh, yeah. okay. Never mind. Yeah. So he beat the fuck out of the guy on the sun. He punched him. I don't know how much he beat him up. I feel like it got pulled Why off. Why is there quick. a court case? They just got in a little fight. Because it wasn't like in the field of play. It's it's a whole thing. Like if you do it pregame, then that's like a different level. Because it wasn't like, you know, there was no refs or anything like that watching it. It was just like a random act of violence, which is considered as assault. So if you did it on the floor. I don't know. How that all works, but all I know is that Draymond Green isn't going to court dates. Court dates, so you got to assume that if it happens before the game, then it's fine. Or did Bobby Portis go to court for punching Nikola Mirotic in the face in practice? Yeah, remember that? Yeah, him and Nikola Mirotic got in a big old fight. Which remember how cool. good Nikola Mirotic was supposed to was be? Supposed to be, and he yeah. was not good at all. Candy ass boy is what and I. And he call just that. looked like he just looked like a, a like a like a. Like a monk. Yep. Yeah, very bushy beard and a very bushy haircut, and he just could only shoot wide open threes. And that he was, was supposed to be good at threes, but he really wasn't. It was all He bad. wasn't really was good bad. at anything, and they were no. like, when we get Miritich, when we get Miritich, when we yeah. get Miritich, he's the next Tony, Tony Kukoc. This, this. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's like no, Tony Kukoc is like a strained cousin who just ended up on the team, and no one knows how. <laughs> yeah, something about the Serbs, man. They're really good at basketball. Unless your name's Nikolai Miritich. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Nikolai Miritich and his beard, maybe he would have been a little bit better. True. He chose to shave his beard. True if change. he's to shave any beard, should use the wonderful people and brand of Henson Shaving Company. Agreed. We will go into the Ian interview after this break. This part of today's episode is brought to you by none other than our friends at Henson Shaving. If you guys have been listening to the show for a while, you already know that we swear by Henson Shaving. We've been using them for months, and there really isn't a better product out there. The Henson Razor puts an end to shaving irritation and cuts while also making your skin feel comfortable and smooth. This razor is made by using CNC machines to aerospace standards. That's right. 
rocket ships, people. That means it's made to very tight tolerances, meaning that the combination of how securely it's held and how minimally the blade is exposed delivers a smooth and safe shave no other razor can offer. It's literally one blade. Be, be safe. Please be safe. They're very sharp. You twist on the top and you get to work. It's that easy. You remember the beard bet? You remember me shaving off the whole thing? If you need to watch somebody use it, go on my Instagram and check it out because it's really that easy. Cost ownership averages $88.20 every two years, which is essentially $177 less than normal cartridge razors. They're sustainable. It's precise. It's Henson shaving. It's got a nice weight to it. It's made out of metal. None of this plastic garbage. So please use the promo code the Taxi Squad. T H E T A X I S Q U A D at checkout, and you'll receive a hundred pack of blades free with the purchase of the razor. So you go on the site, you add the razor that you're looking for, and then you add a hundred pack of razors. You'll get those for free. For most users, this amount of blades will last you two to five years, depending on how often you shave. So that promo code again is the Taxi Squad at HensonShaving.com. Go check it out. Welcome to the interview portion of today's episode. We have eight-year pro pitcher, 40-man roster, two times, three-time spring training invitee, and a man that basically shared a hometown with your boys, Ian Gardak. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Ian. It's an honor. It's nice to meet some fellow 847. You know, local area codes, be back with the boys, right? You know? Hell yeah. Absolutely, Happy to man. have you, man. Happy to have you. Everything going well? You're out in Arizona by Mike over there? Out in Arizona by Mike? I mean, any day you get a cigar and uh, you're in short sleeve t-shirt and kicking back, it's not a bad day. You don't miss the uh, the beanie hats and the scarves and the triple layers? <laughs> No, I had a beanie hat on the way to the gym this morning at five. Uh, walked into Lifetime about five fifteen, and I did have the beanie hat on. A uh, little embarrassed. It was still about sixty-five degrees, and I'm wearing a beanie. But hey, the beanie doesn't die. It just looks a little bit more ridiculous when it's warmer out. Different day, different t- different type of life than we have out here. This is for necessity. Yours is for style. I'd say. Yeah. Now, Ian, I guess the the right. real question. What's that? We get cold. We, we do get cold here, Mike. Like, defend yeah. me. I'm, it's cold here. I was just about to ask you. So, with all that, like, are you like a winter coke guy when it drops below, like, 55? I haven't gotten there yet. My blood's still, like, Chicago. It's still thick. So, like, I can still walk outside in a T-shirt when it's in the 50s. But I don't know. I see the Arizonans, so to speak, oh. in their so parkas. I got rid of all of the winter coat stuff kind of mistakenly and haven't brought myself back to do it. I'm a big fan of the hoodie and like a shell coat. Yeah. So like, give me okay. a hoodie and a bomber. I'm a big double up hoodie bomber. That way, if you're feeling a little hot, you can rip the, bom- the bomber off. You know, if it starts raining, you get a little shell there. So big hoodie bomber guy. Love I love that. Love, love that. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, hey, and um, thank you once again for being on the show. Uh, we got a lot to get into with you. Um, as we described, Ian's background, eight-year pro in the MLB, comes from our hometown, you know, and, and kind of leaning into that, you know, we grew up in a pretty small area in the northwest suburbs of Chicagoland, so we don't see a ton of people make it to that level. So with that being said, I mean, can you kind of like walk us through your journey from, 
high school, you know, I, I mean, even before then, from high school, college to the minor leagues to make it a 40 man, like, how does that really look? So I think you got to start with the origin story, right? The origin story is somebody that shows that it's real, right? So if you go to Ken Rains and Rashad Stewart back at the original pro player, that was my first interaction with guys that had actually done it and shown that it was attainable. Otherwise, it was like being an astronaut. I don't know about you, but I never met any astronauts. So it didn't seem like a didn't seem feasible as a kid. But I met firemen, I met police officers and I met Ken and Rashad Stewart, and they uh, they showed that it, the dream was actually a reality. So it started as a kid, uh, really evolved in high school. Uh, shout out to uh, my best friend who's no longer with us, Tony Pauls. Uh, Tony Pauls was the one that kept me going. Uh, believe it or not, I was ready to hang it up. There were some frustrating years there. Things weren't right. Uh, if if you're familiar with the area and you graduated in my uh, my class, you probably knew me as a DH or a hitter. No uh, shit. I, I developed as a pitcher, but hitting was really the forte that started the beast, and that that came from the hand eye from hockey and being a multi sport athlete. You know, I was kind of I had that hip shoulder separation movement and kind of hip rotation going on from hockey with just that lower body power. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize how strong I was from hockey until, uh, baseball stopped and now my legs are the size of twigs. <laughs> what did it, what is it with hockey players assimilating to like any sport ever? That's never made to like hockey players on the whole are some of the best athletes probably on the oh, planet. Yeah. I mean, let's just break it down. You're on like a one inch blade flying around at 20 plus miles an hour. Right. Fair. Like, and, Dudes are trying to take your heads off. There's a combination of fighting. There's a whole chess match within the, within the game. There's You get really smart analytic guys because it's all geometry, right? Like board passing and all that's angles. So pool and, you know, it's it's giant guys playing pool. And it, it's fun, right? Like it's, it's moving at a fast pace. So you've got to adapt. So you get a little bit of that NASCAR, like quick, you know, make an adjustment, move. But no, it's a blast. The guys that stand in front of the net, like, let's talk about that for a second. Like, a dude's going to crank a slap shot from 100 miles an hour. Nope. And you're going to stand there, no face mask, and try and defend that. Holy cow, yeah. I'm good. Pass. No, Pass. Yeah. Those are... yeah, you definitely got to have balls of steel for that. There's no doubt about it. So what age were you when you started playing hockey, and then what age were you when you started playing baseball, and did you do both, assuming that was kind of the case? Yeah, so hockey, I stepped on the ice, I want to say about four. My parents did learn to skate with me, four or five, and I was a natural. I, for the longest time, walked not nearly as good as I skated. Like, I was a way better skater than a walker. It, like, you know, we joked, like, we better put some ice down. I, I'd probably get to school better. Um, <laughs> but baseball was always, we stayed in athletics the entire year, right? So... It kept you out of trouble. It kept you disciplined. You had to maintain oh, yeah. your grades. So that made a transition into college really pretty seamless because we were always juggling, you know, one thing after the next. You know, freshman year, I remember going from the all-star game at hockey into baseball tryouts. And it was like, all right, baseball tryouts into summer ball into Babe Ruth, Kaba. I think you guys are yep. familiar with Kaba. Better believe you know, it. Kind of another cool launching off point. Um, I still remember playing against Tucker Barnhart at Cabo. 
Like I met Tucker crazy. at Cabo. So like those are the type of dudes that stayed around. Rudy Flores, he had played in the big leagues a little bit. Um, the bubble and network, like as you went, got smaller and smaller. It's also my belief that um, turds, you know, if you're a turd in life, it's a vast wandering wasteland. But if you're good to people, it is a yep. small, small little pool. Yeah. And people are attracted. You meet good people, just like Mike. Um, it's it's a fun environment. You want to stay in that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. No, that's uh, that's that's crazy that you got the chance to play with a- additional pros in that time. And, you know, like, so what was your last year in Cabo? Probably what your last year in high school, like 17, 18? Yeah, so I had 17, 18, I played for a team called Bergen Beach. Uh, That actually, the coach is kind of an absolute OG. Steve Bort was like, he put together some of the most insane teams. Bergen Beach was at Cabo that year. I think they took second um, at 15. And then I got invited years later to play with their um, showcase team. And it was like a U18. We rolled we rolled every team. We run ruled all the way to the championship. Damn. I've never been a part of I've never been a part of a team that was so dominant. Everybody ended up playing in the minor leagues, big leagues in some form. It was just an incredible experience to be around athletes so talented and you knew where everybody was going just because of just what they did. I mean, it was insane. Guys hitting bombs that, you know, you can't even imagine how far it hit with those old missile bats. Oh, um, thrown in the upper nineties. It it was a cool experience. He had a rod and, and a lot of big name guys back in the day. Okay. Um, Wow. He was, he was a pretty cool coach to play for. Seems like it. That's impressive. So when did that switch happen for you really from the time that, okay, you were hitting bombs, you know, you were using, uh, by the way, if we're going to talk about those old bats, you bring up the yeah. old bats. Like, what was your bat of choice? Were you an Easton guy? Were you a TPX guy? Were Like, what were you? So, I was an Easton stealth guy. Yes, sir. Oh, Correct, answer. Correct answer. Correct <laughs> answer. You needed the stiff because you can imagine the torque of somebody that could throw the ball almost 100 miles an hour in high school that he put on the bat swinging because it's the same motion right just different angles so i love that stiff green easton man i think you're familiar with the target at jacobs uh there are ball marks i'm pretty sure on that back wall there for me yeah badass (laughs) but no against us but badass (laughs) yeah the the switch really took place when i took full ownership i actually thought i was going to be done playing baseball and that was sophomore year. So I played sophomore year, get done. I'm just spent, right? You know, I do think there's uh, sports fatigue that goes on at a young age, right? Sure. Mentally, physically, sure. emotionally. You know, these. not that my parents had done it, um, but just it gets overwhelming, right? It's a lot. You just keep cool. flipping over and kids are doing different things. So I, at that point, was like, you know what? I'm going to get a job. Got a couple of jobs. I wanted some money. You know, I drove my car. I started working out. I, I just was obsessed with the gym. You know, right. being a heavier guy, I'm sure both of you guys can relate. You know, being the chubbier kids, 
Hell yeah. You know, it gets to that point where you're like, enough is enough. Like, I'm going to at least put on some muscle. So I'm going to move some of these little uh, frat boys around. Um, For sure. And that was the launching point. I remember hooking on with just some old school, like, salt of the earth gym guys. Um, For sure. And I'm doing bench negatives. I'm doing everything the opposite of baseball. Mm -hmm. So I... I've jumped in velocity. I think the first time I threw was like 88, 92 off the mound. And as I stopped lifting my chest and my arms, I progressively started throwing harder because I wasn't carrying as much weight and uh, wasn't as tight in my chest. So it was weird backing off of some of that stuff because it was the foundation, but you just, you adapt, right? It was, you know, I'm figuring it out at 16 on how to train to be something that I thought was achievable, but I thought I was going to be, Barry Bonds or Sammy Sosa. I didn't think I was going to try and be Eric Gagne. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. That's that's crazy. So you started pitching then after your sophomore year of high school is really kind of when that started to develop. Yep. Junior, junior, the junior fall was uh, kind of a launching point at a, at a showcase. Uh, honestly, a pro okay. player, you know, I was okay. trying out for the first team and you know, we, we let it fly. A lot of people at that point had only known me to be a DH and not many people go to college just to DH. So I had to try and figure something out. For sure. For sure. So leaning into then your junior and senior year, what, what were the type of offers you were looking at then from, you know, being a part of the Kaba program, getting into more of a pitching role, stepping into that and putting the bat down, so to speak. Um, what did that look like? What did that process entail where you're now starting to get looked at? You're starting to get offers, scouts. How did that process look to you? Yeah, it's completely overwhelming, right? Like it's something that most kids, you know, talk about being super exciting and they tell their boys they're super excited about it, but it's super stressful, right? You're making decisions that are, you know, supposed to impact, you know, the rest of your life at 16, 16 to 18. Like it's a, wow, this is coming quick. Um, there started to be a little bit of pro interest. Um, agents started coming out of the woodworks. Um, we heard from schools, but unfortunately I wasn't as focused at school as I was at baseball. Uh, feel that. I won't, I'm an idiot, but I don't feel that I applied myself because I remember junior or senior year looking at my science teacher, uh, Renee Kaziski. And I was like, I don't need to, this doesn't matter. I am, I'm going to play professional baseball. And she was like, yeah, like, okay, whatever. Like, you're going to need this. Like, you need to learn, like, and you need to just do it. Do you need it now though? Do you need it? I don't don't need it now. I don't, I don't, but it was the getting it done aspect, which, you know, rang true on going back and finishing my degree, you know, 10 years later after starting it. Like it, there's something to be said about sure. starting something, finishing something. So there is For the sure. utmost respect that she, she hammered that home. But it, you know, I came back after I got drafted and was like, Hey, I did it. And she would, you know, she's like, yeah, you were determined. You were focused. You, you had a plan and you know, I'm not surprised. Um, right. But it, it's, it's, it's nerve wracking. Right. And I didn't get the offers cause it was tough to get into schools. I kept all my Ivy league stuff just because I, it was laughable that I was going to even qualify. Um, Notre Dame was a talk, but academically not able to swing it. So some of these like 
schools, you start getting excited and then there's the just sheer, you know, disappointment that you didn't spend enough time on your academics. You know, looking back, those classes are not that hard. It's just more about sure. putting in the air. And, you know, as a kid, you just want to put your effort into having fun, kicking it with the boys and, and playing sports. But yeah, the, the, we lost some opportunities there. Um, we ultimately settled on the University of Dayton. It was a full ride opportunity, private Catholic university, um, nice. mid-major, um, had some bigger offers, but you know, with three boys coming behind the line, uh, college was uh, needing to be covered, right? Like financially, yeah. we, I can't even imagine how my parents survived having four kids, let alone thinking about if we all had to pay for school, luckily yeah. most of us, um, you know, so that played a factor into it, went to Dayton, realized that the academic program didn't quite fit, you know, I liked academics more than I liked baseball. And, you know, again, going back to it, the, the ultimate goal was to play professionally. So we transferred out, um, after a great summer, I remember the, the best coach and I will tout him that I have run across is, uh, Corey Mascara. He's the pitching coach with Wake Forest. Um, they are cool. nasty. They are nasty. Um, he has produced some some just absolute dudes, and I had him at pretty much almost his origin story, fresh out of college, uh, been through just kind of actually the story that I went through and invested in his guys, even in just summer ball, right? You know, summer ball's a couple months. There's not a whole lot of recognition. And I remember getting on the bus. I was like, yeah, I broke up with my high school girlfriend today. I left a full ride scholarship and we're about to take a 12 hour bus ride to Maine on a school bus. Um, That's come back and come back and play the next day. I mean, that was, that was the NECBL back in the days was, you know, you're going to flip 24 hours on a bus and play three, and then you're going to play two games. Um, wow. Just, I just remember him being so assured and, being like dude you're amazing like you're gonna figure this out i'm gonna help you we're gonna get you where you want to be and in four or five days i was hearing from coaches from north carolina and you know coming from a dayton program to now north carolina's in the mix ultimately we settled on going back to junior college uh so okay. that i could be draft eligible yep. uh and then be able to not sit out right you know i was a i was a control project uh it was a shit show to say the least um you know, balls would fly everywhere. So I like to equate this to I was throwing in the mid to upper 90s before I had probably 30 innings under my belt. So wow. you can imagine when you're off like an inch, a guy that throws 80, 85, it misses by a couple inches. It's not bad. The rate at which I'm moving, it's missing by feet and people are dying and <laughs> things are being umpires are getting maimed and catchers are freaking out. It's it's uh it was it was i'll be honest it was a shit show starting out and i felt bad and that you know kind of feeds into some of the fear that i had and Corey fix was just i was given this bazooka of a weapon and no scope no sight no anything right just overly coachable you know had no identity um in it and so Corey really helped hammer that out and i had an absolutely amazing summer um, first introduced to uh, host families, which, again, if you're not familiar with the baseball grind, host families really make this dream possible. From the college ranks and summer ball to, you know, staying in San Jose, host families are 
the backbone of baseball that doesn't really get talked about. These families open up their homes. They usually have kids. They may not. They may not have had kids. Um, and they support you, right? Because financially, you cannot support yourself. Um, it's a uh, dream pursuit, and there's some sacrifices along the way. And a lot of them were financial. Sure. That's crazy, man. So you ha- you were kind of like the wild thing of, of your class, so to speak. And, and that summer ball, you know, that, that summer you clearly got, got it under wraps. So after that summer ball session, I'm assuming after that stage of the game, you started to get far more attention. Yeah. So I had a good summer and then I like to uh, say we enter into the Kenny Powers era. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really, it's, I have La Flama Blanca hats for my roommates and everything. We've really entered into the Kenny Powers. I equated uh, East Texas to Mexico and I was, I was trying to get my pitch back and it was, it was fun. Um, it was again, another overwhelming experience looking back, you know, my first bullpen, there was I don't know, 20 scouts there to watch a bullpen and guys are wearing Damn fatigues and just non-practice uniforms and there's 80 guys out there for junior college i know i'm going to be on the team but what's going on this is weird and oddly enough some of these kids are way better than even kids i played with in high school so i'm like wow why why do we have so many guys um it was a weird experience um seeing that but it was fun right like you adapt i had good roommates um but then the game started and i i i did have a very good fall. Um, I was still kind of in flow from the summer. I think my first outing, I punched out eight and nine hitters and was in the upper nineties with, you know, an upper eighties, 90 mile an hour slider. And everybody was like, who is this guy? Um, I remember I had 80 phone calls after a night class. I had to take like 27 hours of credits my first semester so that I could take a, like a normal workload the second semester and graduate because I knew I wanted to have the option to go to a four year and I didn't want to take summer school. I wanted to play on the Cape Cod. So I had so many hours and I came out of a class and I was just like, I don't even know how to address this. Like I had schools, agents, um, went through decision paralysis on the uh, agent aspect. I had a rogue guy uh, represent me my senior year. That was a terrible experience, just asking for things that were not there. So I kind of had taboo and shied away from agents um, and probably hurt myself by doing so. But, you know, you, you just go with the information that you have. Um, Absolutely. Ended up coming out that fall. I was the number one junior college prospect in the country after Bryce Harper. Um, wow. So you can imagine the pressure that was uh, – I was putting on myself because I knew what he was going to be. And, you know, with the stuff that was coming out of my hand, we tried to turn me into a starter, probably wasn't the best idea and really, you know, started adding in a third pitch and we completely lost identity. Um, I also had my grandmother diagnosed with uh, terminal brain cancer that year and spiraled. Um, You know, the wheels on the bus do come off and they came off hard. Um, but we did, you know, everything works out. We went out to the Cape Cod. I got to play out in the Cape. Just an absolute, again, incredible experience. Yeah, uh, roommates with Andrew Heaney. Shout out to Andrew yeah. Heaney for still yeah. continuing to get it done. He was nasty, folks. Yeah. I mean, 
94 hammers left side just cool as a cucumber um but yeah that was my uh roommate in the cape that's awesome had you know a good time out there and then we went to alabama um which just the being around success is incredible gymnastics won national championships that year football won a national championship that year men's golf i mean track and field it was it was incredible to be around the amount of success scott cocker and screaming in the locker room um you know walking in with nick saban every morning just because you know i got 8 a.m's and i'm gonna hit the same routine every day and so does nick um you know it's awesome i learned at a you know pretty young age that successful people keep routines didn't matter rain snow shine um hungover you know, doesn't matter. You show up, you stay on your routine and, and there's power in that. So, you know, it was an incredible experience. It didn't work out baseball wise. Uh, we got off to a hot start and, you know, again, being the wild thing I was, the wheels came off and you, you got to be ready to pitch in the SEC. Sometimes it's not the most talented arms in the SEC. You've got to be polished, you know? So there were yeah. teammates that were Friday night guys that didn't get drafted and I had 12 innings pitched and I was drafted higher than every single one of them. So there's that difference in college baseball. It's more about being polished and ready to go and having pitchability and mix and, you know, can you get away with stuff? Um, it's changed now that they're, they're pumping out crazy arms. Um, I was going to say like LSU Vanderbilt. I feel like we're seeing two to three guys a year at this point. Yeah, yeah, you're in the in those power conferences. Your Friday and Saturday guys are dudes. Yeah. They're absolute dudes. Your and your Sunday guys usually probably young. Um, your midweek guys, you know, probably could be Friday night guys and on most of the programs. So it's cool. I mean, when I pitched at LSU, Gosman opened up the game and his last pitch, which was like his 90th pitch in the eighth inning, was almost 100 miles an hour. I mean, I was just like, God damn, like you, you just, it's, you were around dudes. Mike Roth was pitching at uh, South Carolina, you know, I mean, there was absolutely, you played against studs Um, and that's what you want. You want to be around the best guys. You want to see where they match up because it's, it's a man with the stick and a man with the rock. Like where do I stand? You know? Right. Yeah. It's a primal game. So what playing in the SEC then? I mean, first and foremost, you, you said you got a chance to walk with Saban to, to class or your routine most weeks. Any conversations that stick out in your mind? I mean, not many people can say they got the opportunity to do that in life. No, I, I think they were just short. I think it was the respect that he acknowledged that I was in routine, right? Like the, cool. just getting the acknowledgement that, you know, you were in the same routine and the same flow was, was enough for me. Um, and that's what I really hold on to is just like when you're around success and even Cochran, you know, making a comment after I came back and I was like, how, how did you pass classes? Like you were in here sometimes for like two football groups. And it was just like, that's, that's who I was. Like, you know, I was going to do enough to get by academically, um, not fail anything, but you know, I did get some help, you know, some teachers were for loving, you know, but sure. it was all about baseball. You know, that was the pursuit, Absolutely. the dream, the everything, and, and let's go. And it got shaky there with 12 innings. I did not know if it was going to work. I just I just solely did not know if it was going to work. So that 
you know, after being an eighth rounder to the White Sox in 2011, and then, you know, we were getting into day three and it was not even a consideration, you know, the conversations were not going well. Um, but my area scout went to bat for me and got me to a pre-draft workout with the Giants. I flew out on my own dime for it, um, put myself up in a hotel. Um, shout out to my parents for being able to do that last minute. Um, not awesome. cheap from Alabama to San Francisco. Um, Hell no. yeah. Clean but, country. but yeah, I, f- I met who was my champion, right? The guy that believed in me the most in the organization and who made all the moves was Dick Tidra. Um, I threw for Dick Tidra, rest in peace again, another one of uh, the goods gone, gone too early. Um, but Dick believed in me. He, he, you know, we had a connection and I, he even remembered talking about it throughout the years as I went up. He's like, I remember seeing you at, you know, at AT&T when we didn't have you signed from Alabama and things weren't quite there. Um, Dick also helped, you know, scare the absolute bejesus out of me when things were going wrong in 2014. And I, you know, it was, it was a mess. I was hurt. Balls were going everywhere. I was walking like three guys every time I, you know, stepped out onto the mound. I had nine walks per nine. It was a disaster, right? Like just the worst year that you could draw up. And he's like, all right, we're going to drop down. And I'm like, I threw 100 miles an hour the other day, and now we're going to drop down sidearm? Like, how low? Like, underhand sidearm? He's like, I don't know, just start slinging it. And I was like, (laughs) oh, boy, this is where it ends. Like, I'm not an idiot. Like, you don't see many of those guys in the league, and this is not a project you start at this age. Like, holy crap. What goes through your head at that point where it's like, he's like, I want to switch what you're doing. You're so accustomed to what you're already doing. Are you like, I'm going to trust him for this? Or are you more so like, all right, all right, let's see how this goes. I mean, there's so much behind that, right? There's the fear that this is done. There's the want to be coachable where it's like, hey, if you give me some time, I'm down to do this. But if this is like, I got to have this figured out in a week and then we're done. Like, I don't know about that. So it was, it was weird. It was definitely like, this is not, this is not a good signal. Um, I remember going into that off season and I, I had told people back home, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of spring. I really just do not know what is in store for me. And oddly enough, Corey calls me um, from Danbury and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm at home. He's like, you know, you've, you excited for the year. I was like, honestly, I, I don't even know how to throw a baseball. And he was like, what? <laughs> Like, I don't know how to throw a baseball anymore. I was like, I've hit my head and I said, pushing the ball, slinging the ball. Um, I, I don't I don't know what, what I'm doing. And so he just broke it down real simple. And he's like, no more playing catch with people. Gave me a couple of drills. He's like, put your headphones in. He's like, when was the last time you had fun playing catch? And it was like, holy cow. I, you know, from 16 to, you know, now uh, call it 22. The last six years, yeah. you've just been chasing something and not really enjoying it, right? Like you say you're sure. enjoying it, but you're just so focused that you don't really enjoy throwing a baseball anymore. So it was just like, okay, let's have fun just throwing a baseball. And I came home and I was like, we're either going to figure this out and it's going to click or this is going to be a mess. Like I was throwing balls at the top of the nets. Like it's all over the place. I was like, holy cow. 
And then about a week in, it started to click. And I was like, huh, we've got something here. And we kept going, kept, we kept drilling. And then uh, Matt Yorkin made a switch. And it was unconventional, right? You know, most pitchers keep their hands real close to their chest. But I just kept getting tied up, right? Because I was a bigger guy. I didn't look right. I didn't look pitcher. I'm you have to keep in mind that I was two hundred and forty pounds. I was built like an edge rusher or a middle linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. I wasn't you know, and I'm only six foot. I'm I'm not built like a traditional pitcher. So he drops my hands out and he goes, All right, just relax them right here. He's like, I'm just going to hold them. And he goes, pick up and go and wham. I didn't, I literally, I could have hit a gnat on a horse's ass. Damn. And I was like, whoa. And he's like, all right, I'm going to do it again. And it was like, whoa, like we're two in a row. Like some, like, and it was like, I had the greatest bullpen session of my life. And there was still that, like, I always played Jekyll and Hyde, right? You know, I was two guys. If I, if I was in stride, you're not hitting me. If I was out, you know, good luck, duck, cover, like, I wouldn't hit against myself. But then it, it clicked, and I was like, maybe this is that moment that everybody talks about where they're like, at some point, everybody has it, and you go, aha, well, that was it. From then on out, walks dropped. I knew how, like – now I'm able to think like I always knew how to play the game, but I like I couldn't execute. Right. Like, sure. You know, being a drill sergeant, your soldiers are running to the left. You're screaming to go to the right. And you just you're helpless. Um, so it was that way in baseball. And that's why it was such a frustrating game. It was just like I want to play the actual game behind the game. Right. Like, let's get into setting up pitches. Let's get into Strategy. like strategy right because that's what the game is really built around is like i'm gonna do this because i'm doing that and, you know now you're playing chess i was playing just checkers trying to just get the ball over home plate and then once i got into the game of chess it was just so much more fun i could talk to the pitching coach more and figure out who's hot who's cold um and really be in tune with the game so with that, like what to give it some context, what year is this now? So you're you're out of Bama, you're you're now in the Giants program. Uh what what year is this looking like? How old are you at this time? What is this, 2015, 2016? So 2015 is is the year that it clicked, right? Um okay. played with some just absolute dogs. We had the again, we were we were the San Francisco Giants, so we won at every level. Like there was a yeah. belief and it was it was different back then. The analytics hadn't really got into it. Even some of the healthcare stuff didn't really get into it. And we were old school, right? There was, you know, no facial hair below your lip. So I had crazy pedophile mustaches. <laughs> uh, that looked better than me having a well-kept beard. There was times but, in your career where you had a beast of a beard too, at least the pictures yeah. I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, the beard had a personality. And that's kind of what, you know, when you go through 38 months of rehab that we'll get to later on, Unlike you have to put on a mask and you realize you're wearing a costume and you kind of start to check out of, you know, attaching to all the results. So, but no, it 20, 2012 was short season ball. That was a pretty good year, long year, did a lot of stuff, had a lot of fun. We had a good team. Uh, 2013 was another good year. Everybody stayed together, got off to a slow start, but again, just, the highs and lows. There was great games where I get on a roll and then, you know, the wheels start to come off and you're walking guys and it's like, who is this? So, you know, but a ball is really a lot of, you know, short season and even low a, it's a lot of just high school kids that are finally going out and a lot of college kids. 
So, you know, you get that weird mix, you know, and the college kids, you know, may there's something wrong with them. And, you know, the high school kids are just getting experience. So they don't really have approaches. And you start getting into high A and guys start developing a little bit of an approach. Um, in the Cal League, it is a launching pad. Yeah. Um, they are some small fields. And if you, back in the day, Lancaster and High Desert played, I think there was like 20 home runs hit in the game. Damn. Um, wow. Yeah, it, it, you you could get clipped, right? It's ambush central. Guys are swinging to get out of high A. That's That was that was the motto, was swing to get out of high A. So guys are just G-hacking, trying to hit home runs to get to double A because double A is your proving ground, right? Like if you can play in double A – it's just about a break here, a break there, being consistent at the right time. Um, AAA is more of a holding tank um, prospect area. You know, some vets, especially with an older team, we always carried a heavy vet uh, team in SAC just because we need a taxi in case somebody goes down. We want to be ready. We're not getting caught. Giants were very prepared. We were very, you know, at depth, um, especially at the catcher position. And pitching right like the unit um we knew what we were built on and we were we were stacked there um so 2015 we had guys like tyler rogers was repeating high a who's a big league closer who was yeah, ready for the crazy big he was setting us up like he got demoted from double a which blew my mind and <laughs> um yeah just wild stuff ray black was in our bullpen ray black um Probably the hardest throw I've ever seen besides Chapman. Um, this dude just slang it, and he had video game stuff. Um, unfortunately, he battled the injury bug. And to be honest, I kind of talked shit on him a little bit just because I was like, come on, like how bad could it be? And then I went through it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Get it. Yeah. No, I get it. And you're a tough dude. And it's a completely different stance, right? Like, um, that's why I really try not to judge anymore. I've been through so much. And you go through so much perspective, uh, highs, lows, goods, bads. Like, things are just circumstantial. Like, a lot of times in life, you know, and people are doing the best that they can. And who, who am I to judge um, until I've walked in their shoes and experienced it? I went through it with Ray and it's, it's hard. You know, we just couldn't stay healthy. Uh, we also had Chase Johnson, who was a starter, um, who, when I think it was Jake Peavy, it came down, he had to get an inning or two. And then Chase went on to throw seven scoreless innings and Peavy Damn. was like, this guy is big league ready right now. I mean, that was the kind of stuff that we just had laying around. Um, it was just, you know, everybody was a dude. Um, if you were with the Giants and you were a pitcher, you were a dude. didn't matter if you were at the lowest level or the highest level. Like, the Giants were built on pitching, so you were there for a reason, um, which was cool. Um, bled into 2016, getting put onto the 40-man roster. You know, I grinded it out, had a big year. With the postseason, 80 appearances. Um, me and Jake Smith broke uh, Romo's strikeout record. No shit. San Jose, which was pretty cool, especially then to like go and meet Romo in camp and him be aware of it um, was even cooler. And then him to be just like an absolute amazing human being. Um, 
you know, sometimes baseball players get a rap from time to time. This guy was one of the nicest guys that I had met um, as a teammate because you can only imagine the posturing that goes on in a locker room sometimes with young guys coming up, old guys, you know, knowing they're down to their last year or two or a fringe guy who you might be competing with, you know, during the year. Um, Roma was just a welcoming presence, uh, especially for a team that was very well connected, right? Like, and rightfully so coming off of, you know, third world series in as many years, you know, it, it was a very connected group and a little intimidating, even being a roster guy, right. You know, I've got a hall of fame manager as my first manager, uh, probably a hall of fame coach and Dave Rigetti, who again, tremendous human being, um, you just were around success. And when you look back, you, I'm very blessed to have been around so many successful human beings from being at Alabama yeah. to then yeah. going to, you know, the giants to win three world series. Um, and then after things went, you know, kind of South with the giants, you know, I end up in Tampa and Holy moly, what, what an organization on the cutting edge. And again, just amazing human beings that just don't have the budget, right. That San Francisco does and they understand their market. So it's been a, it's been a fun path, you know, a lot of successful yeah. people yeah. way and you get to meet people who do it just incredibly, incredibly. Yeah, absolutely. If you were all like, I feel like the two organizations, those two that we highlighted, obviously those are two of the prime organizations you'd want to be in as a pitcher. Yes and no, right? Like if you're trying to develop like me, it was a great landing spot. But when you're ready to go, it can it can be a blockade, right? Because yeah, bottleneck. Hmm. I remember talking to my agent. I had hired my agent, Dave Pepe. His uh, his dad was Phil Pepe, the New York sports journalist, mm -hmm. and wow. Billy Martin Jr., whose dad was Billy Martin, the Yankees wow. manager. They met in the clubhouse. So I hired them in 2015. You know, my, my walks, I think, were at like 20. I was like, hey, I, I promise you I'm not going to walk a guy in the second half of the season. I ended up walking four, two were Cocoa Crisp. Not that I'm salty or anything, but Cocoa was just getting the most cupcake strike zone I've ever seen. I was throwing into a tin can. I was going to say, he's not um, hitting it 450 on you, <laughs> you know? No, but those were the guys. So you want to talk about hitters that I hated facing? It, yeah. Give me a power righty all day. Yeah? Give me – any righty all day. Give me any power lefty all day. Give me a slap lefty and I'm terrified. So guys away. like so guys like Juan Pierre, Coco Crisp, you Nightmare. know, Kenny the Kenny Lofton subtype yes. is just what you just because those guys could follow you off to you're blue in the face, I'm imagining. Yeah. It's a long at bat. It's a stressful at bat. If they're on base, your whole fucking outing is just pardon my language, shot. <laughs> Your whole outing oh, is shot. that is that is speaking of outing cupcake, that's cupcake based now, on what we say. <laughs> now you've got a jackrabbit on the base pass. Yeah. I don't like holding runners. I don't like deal no no pitcher likes dealing with stress, right? So now you got this guy mm -hmm. popping around. He steals second, he's scoring on a single. Like it's just a nightmare. You're gonna give up uh, I gave up so many being a power sinker guy with the Giants. I give up so many infield singles and it's just yeah. it's just the fact of life. Um, sure. But yeah, it's those, when I saw those, those were circled, right? Like, and there were some teams that I came up with, like Seattle had a lineup where it was like, 
before you got to Tyler and I love facing Tyler O'Neill, like Tyler O'Neill was like, I circled him and I was like, give me that guy. But they had two <laughs> slap guys around him where I was like, I want no part of this guy. Like, I just want to, if he gets on, I want to wave him to third, like, because regardless, he's going <laughs> to score. I just don't want to look at him. But those slap, those slap guys are tough, man. They're just tough at bats. They're scrappy and they're going to create havoc for you. It's not, it's no fun. You know, give me a power righty. I knew how to pitch those guys. Those guys didn't scare me, you know, the sliders and I'd love breaking bats. I actually had a right on right Johnson shot um, in 2013. I pulled off of a two seam so bad, hit him right in the Johnson as he swung. Strike three, strike three, three. rang the bell. He got hit. He got hit in the dick. Go sit down. (laughs) <laughs> just a dick shot just a dick shot he's pissed i was laughing that was a highlight right when you go right on right that's the kind of movement that i had and Damn. that was hilarious absolutely hilarious <laughs> what speed are you going on that like 90 92 oh no no that he took he took that like probably 95 96 oh right god <laughs> oh no like so when yeah. when you're at that level i'm assuming if you're at a day in day out hitter you're you're wearing a cup and uh, or, or did you know of guys who chose not to you which is ballsy as fuck i mean yeah no i mean your outfielders your, your outfielders don't really like wearing cups you know i get it you know they're, they're probably not gonna see it uh catchers are a must I, they have like oh, special yeah. tank cups unfortunately i played with two catchers that had exploded testicles yeah oh. it's it's absolutely just the worst noise and the worst thing to see is just have a guy just explode his nuts, right? Like, I watched a guy take it back to back, and that 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 absolutely exploded it. Where you were just like, he got hit, and they're like, "Come out!" He's a tough guy, and then literally like, you can't make this up, right? Again, and you're like, he walked out, and it, he could just feel it was just shards. It was just shards, right? Just there's oh, nothing. Like, that's just a mess. So yeah, yeah. Those, <laughs> Yeah, terrifying. yeah, yeah. You're like, I hope kids weren't in the mix. Like, oh. yeah, right, exactly. Because that's not going to go much of anywhere. So, you know, we talk about the game within the game, and, and and that is so much of a situation of the chess match of a pitcher to a hitter. Now, did you have specific guys that cough for you that you preferred over others? Um, is, is there something that goes into that? Um, that yeah, the, in your in your mind, yeah. When you get into the pitcher catcher relationship, I don't think that there's anything kind of more special. Like it's, I would imagine. And again, I have never played quarterback, um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure Tom Brady had a center that you know you, you have to groom these guys, right? Because yeah. it's it's all about how they make you feel. He's delivering the ball to Tom. I'm I'm delivering the ball to him. The catcher and he's got to make me feel comfortable either that he's in flow with me on what we're calling or that he can block that slider in the dirt um that he can receive the ball if it's you know not exactly where it's at and still steal me a strike um and then just somebody that knows how to fire you up or calm you down right like there's times where we all need a little pick me up and yeah that's where that relationship really comes into play i liked throwing to just big body guys like think of your joe mowers your buster posies like your, bigger target right yeah. oh i loved yeah. it it just was reassuring if you give me a small target it kind of scared me a little bit it just like i couldn't line 
things up like their bodies because you're going on you go on sight rails right like where you're starting pitches on where to you know get more tilt you know i started there i started there and you have these reference points usually on your catcher um where you start things so there's so much of that going on that when you swap those guys out it's a it's a change it's a change it really is so i see this a lot and i feel like the further we get into the future here we see this more often um and it's weird nuanced drills like drills that aren't you know bullpen throwing sometimes it's like oh grab this like sack of sand and throw it at the wall 15 times did you have any of those where you're like what the fuck are we doing here like what is this so yeah i did steal one uh, i played with a guy from latin america guy was just a wild guy right just insane like just insane stories he wanted to talk about owning tigers and apparently it was a doctor <laughs> about columbia or something and you're okay. like just just off the wall outlandish stuff but he carried this cannonball and he would swing the cannonball and just slam it into the dirt and it would just like a leave big metal cr- ball like a shot put like <laughs> oh, a big cannonball like a cannonball you know, like a 12 pound cannonball. Just chuck it on the ground. So he would do that. And then eventually I was like, you know what? I'm down. So that got incorporated. (laughs) Now I'm throwing like just these heavy massive like balls. Just I'd swing it, get it going. I do that two or three times. Cause it's insane. Right. Like the, the idea of being a relief pitcher, the concept is just absolutely ridiculous. Right. Like guy calls like, Oh, are you ready? You've been sitting down probably for two and a half, three hours, and now you got to go at you know max speed. But it was it was the smell of the smelling salts. I was a big smelling salt guy, and actually they panned me in the bullpen getting ready, and it looked like I was hitting a bump. Because um, <laughs> you're just like, yeah. Because I'm like, I go, oh, yeah. wow, you know, and it just was like a, a great jolt. And then a couple, I liked a couple of just big squat jumps, even when I get out to the mound. There's nothing to me like it was all about intimidation. Like I'd get out to the game mound and I'm doing two, three squat jumps, you know, yeah. knees to chest, like, and I'm 240 pounds just getting up. Like, here we go. Like I- I'm going to yeah. run at you. Um, but yeah, it was those, those kind of three things. Like you, re- you just get a routine. Uh, even from getting to the field, I've always liked being the first guy there. And then after batting practice, which is, just daunting right like for to watch guys try and figure out launch elevation and i get it it's their craft but we don't make them watch our bullpens yeah um, <laughs> it's another that's another topic for another day um, yes absolutely but no you, you get your routine and so after batting practice i loved hopping in the shower right away and getting clean and getting in my uniform because there's that I just want to be prepared and ready and focused because this is what I'm here to do. It's not eat food. It's not, it's not be the first one to spread. It's, I need to get myself prepared for this game. I need to get a lineup card. Um, I kept track of, I couldn't watch our hitters, right? The giants were, and I'm going to offend some people here aside from Matt Duffy and maybe Mac Williamson coming up. Our hitters were just tough was not a hitting organization. So I didn't, I didn't enjoy watching our hitters. Plus, you know, who can watch a every hour of every baseball game? Just, yeah. just not possible. So yeah. I would keep a lineup card of, 
you know, who our pitchers were facing, what guys were swinging, who was a left-handed bat, you know, where my outs were. Because I wanted to be able to come into that game and, you know, hey, I got a slap hitter that's, you know, number nine, but the number one hole hitter is a righty and he swings first pitch and he's 0 for 2. The nine hole hitter, right, you don't ever want to walk the nine hole. Right. But you know what? He's hot. He's hot. You know what? I'm not giving him a cookie and I'm all right walking him. And then being able to speak to that after the game, right? Like it's it's one thing to say, hey, you know, I walked the nine hole hitter. Yeah, you're going to get yelled at. But if you say, hey, I walked the nine hole hitter because I'm better against right handed bats and he's struggling and this guy's hot and I just, I wasn't feeling it, didn't want to give it up, you know, and and that's being prepared for your job and and understanding where your outs are and then helping other guys. Hey, you know, you got right, 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 left, you know, and that guy's a righty, you know, he, he doesn't want to see the lefty either, or, you know, the lefty's coming in, Hey, you've got left, right, left, left. Like, okay, you've got, you know, you got to get your first guy and then your second guy situationally, you know, you might want to be careful with, cause you got two more guys that, you know, are your matchup. So to kind of like add into that, you know, okay. So we, we figured out overall, you hated the slap hitter model. Lefties weren't your favorite power hitting righties. You love facing who was like your favorite guy overall to go up against that, you know, like, yeah, this, this guy's sitting down. So two guys, I had a power lefty, and Dylan Thomas, he had some time up with Seattle. I love facing him. We had an epic battle. I actually was swearing at him in the box. And then we were teammates uh, my final year in Oakland. Just kind of how baseball works, right? Like, yeah, we know sure. of each other. We don't hold any ill will after the fact, but you remember stuff. Um, Franklin Barreto was my favorite. I owned Franklin. Franklin was just <laughs> a free power swinging, and he was good. He was good. Don't get me wrong. Like he, and I liked it because he was good. Like he was dangerous, but you had to be on your stuff, but he kind of fit my MO, right? Like Latin kid wanted to chase sliders. I wanted to induce sliders, you know, and I'd sink it in on his hands. Uh, Tyler O'Neill was another one that I liked facing too. Like, dude, I mean, I remember he hit five Oh five bench, like an hour and a half before the game. Like he was just, Bam. And I was like, holy cow, what is going on here? And they're like, yeah, his dad's Mr. Canada. And I'm like, oh, okay. holy shit. That's wild. And he's, he's standing up there and he's got, you know, almost kind of that Moises Salou, you know, stance with yeah, his arms out. And he's chest. like, yeah. Yeah. And he's like 12 feet away from the home plate, right? Just baiting you to throw that ball outside. Yeah. He's baiting you. And I was like, no, I'm going to throw it six inches inside. Because you want that, but you don't want that. So there there was that chess match with him that was always great. Like, it's fun. You know, when you, you, you see hitters each year and then you get into these series, like, yeah, there's a certain guy to where you're like, man, I can't wait till he comes up. I own his ass. Like, And then there's other guys where you're like, I, I cannot do anything in my power to get this guy out. Dante Bichette Jr. was one of them. Yeah. Not a good bet, but – he had so many Bo's broken. Bo's brother. I had oh. no problem with Bo. I saw Bo in spring. I uh, owned Bo, but uh, his brother just gave me fits, man, and really? it was just broken bats. Just he walked off. He walked me off twice in uh, low A ball, and 
in Charleston, back-to-back nights on broken bat singles. That's just flare so job. annoying. <laughs> it oh, has to be the worst. worst. Yeah. It's the worst. I don't think there's anything more frustrating for a pitcher than to like execute a pitch, get a result, and it just not it's just it's just not there, right? Like it's just a bad break. And that's the game of baseball. And there's times where you're like, oh, well, I grooved a cookie and he absolutely unloaded and missed it by that just much. That and much. it was a pop up. But yeah, when when it's visible on your end, you're kind of like, oh, that's, so frustrating. Yeah. Wish I could have that back. All right. We're about to wrap up. Got two more questions for you. The first one, best game you ever pitched. Is there one in your head where you're like, this is this is my creme de la creme top of the line one that I've had? Yeah, I mean I had a couple I had a couple outings in San Jose that were pretty just magical where, you know, I think I had an outing where I just sat ninety eight to hundred and I threw twelve pitches and it was three punchies and it was just cupcakes and rainbows. I almost had a perfect call in Danbury. Um, We did a lot of visualization work with me and Corey. And I said, I'm visualizing a nine pitch, punchy, golden sombrero, just the perfect outing. He's like, that's, you know, good luck with that. Like, cause I had walk issues. He's like, it's a great goal. I went 10 pitches and three punchies. Damn, damn. So you probably walked back and you're like, what's up? <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, you were off. And I was like, yeah, but that was still pretty sick, right? Like, yeah. And that's the stuff that, like, yeah. it doesn't matter who those hitters were. It was just more or less like, you know, calling a shot with your boys. Like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Anytime you have those experiences where you're like, this is what I'm doing and your plan actually works, there's nothing, there's nothing more fun. You know, I remember I was really close with Chris. Arroyo. And I remember like, Hey, you know, we're in a close ball game. I was like, I'm getting a double play. I need you to get out of this. I'm kind of struggling with my accuracy. I'm going to get you a double play. Like, and he makes an incredible play in the hole, bam, double play. And I'm carrying him off the field. Yeah. My you know, guy. Cause I'm so pumped up. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Last question for you. This is an argument that we've had on this podcast for quite a while. I don't think it's possible. Mike thinks he's fucking Barry Bonds oh, or something. Fuck, here we so. go. All right, so 100 pitches, like, in your prime, in your prime, do you think, given 100 pitches, either of us could put a ball in play? No. That's what I'm saying. There's no shot. Well, no, to the point, to in the my, point. In my, was, prime, in my prime, is it 100 straight? Because I'm fatiguing. Like No, no. Like, so you know, we're just talking. Yeah. Because there's a debate on that. Like, hey, if it's 100 in a row, I don't have the stamina. To, I, I'm not throwing 100 pitches, so you're right. kidding me. I'm running no. out of gas. No, if, the, if the, you're walking up and we'll give like you a imagine you're, imagine you're a pitch machine and your arm isn't – there's no fatigue. Like, yeah. your your right. sliders are on no fatigue and you're just throwing it. I don't think we can. I don't. I really don't. back to, to, like, the debate that we would always debate in our locker room, especially with my brother playing in the NFL, was, you know, hey – if I put pads on and I had 10 rushes, could I get three yards? No. And I was like, no. Yeah, you're getting eaten no. up. Guys, when you look at it, there's guys in the NFL that like have, they, they get those rushes and they still don't get those yards. Like, yeah. And plus like you may get, you may get three yards and then they may get through the hole and you might not get back up again. Right. Yeah. Like if I got hit by my brother, I'm not getting back up again. 
Like I, yeah. I'm not being honest. Vince Wolfork hits me. I'm Talk not getting back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I just think the intimidation factor too, like it's different when you see a hundred and you hear a hundred, it's a completely different ball game. You know, I worked out at Fisher and we would have the football guys as we start ramping up, go over by the bullpens and they're like, hell no, these are professional athletes and they get hit by grown, grown men and they want no part of that because, I mean, that ball sails, you you, you are not going to feel good. You're, something's breaking, you know, yeah. your jaw, your skull, your ribs, your wrist, like things break. I was going to say, you throw a sweet one in on the hands. It's like, I'm like, fuck this. I'm going home, dude. Yeah, right. Well, to to the point, so Vince always busts my balls about this question, but the initial argument was exactly that. Do we think it's easier to get five yards rushing in the NFL or get a 100-mile-an-hour fastball? Neither or make a shot at NBA possible. game or make a shot in the I mean, the 100, mile, the 100 I, I think the 100-mile-an-hour fastball is easier from the sheer standpoint of, like, it's timing. Like, so if you uh, – honestly, you get 100, you might be able to just – if they're just throwing heaters, right? If you know there's just heaters, you're going to be able to time something up. The minute we start mixing stuff, now you've got to worry about what yeah. pitches are doing. No, but if we're just talking, you got a hundred heaters straight on. Yeah, you, you. I would hope you know you've had baseball experience. Like you're going to yeah. time it up eventually. Like it's just going to take know. a minute. <laughs> it's like riding a bike. I really do yeah. believe that. Like yeah. I, I think you know you, you work your way up. I wouldn't just do a cold turkey but i think it could be done yeah. you know you've seen sure. people step in and have some success if you got decent hand eye the football sure. i don't know like because those holes close so fast yeah that if you miss that hole i mean you've seen guys that run that are college running backs that can't hack it so i don't know about being a yeah. random joe just that speed difference in the nfl is insane give me five yeah. trent williams and i'm just drafting behind him all the way yeah right yeah <laughs> Yeah, who's so, your offensive line? Right, right. So, I mean, Ian, you explain your brother plays in the NFL. Can you kind of go into a little bit about, you know, the team he's on, what he plays, all that good stuff? Yeah, my brother was an undrafted uh, rookie free agent, no draft databases. Um, Damn. Fifth year D2 grad transfer. Uh, he's not supposed to be there. He is just completed year six in the NFL. Uh, crazy to think. Bad Started out as a special teams kind of middle linebacker, Phil. And they were plagued with a bunch of edge rush injuries. Chandler Jones and guys went down and they were like, hey, you know what? Why not? You know, you seem to be getting it done on special teams. Let's let's see if this right. works. And then he just went ham. He had like sure. seven or eight sacks and 80 snaps. It's still, I think, an NFL record for most like sacks and a short amount of span. Um, ended up with an injury, but he's still with Arizona. He, had, he led the team this year with six. Good um, for him. Next year, if he gets the team captain not, he'll be a fifth-year team captain with a golden C. I mean, it's Good just – it's just wild to think about, right? You know, an undrafted guy didn't have the prototypical story. He's completely undersized for his position, right? To be an edge, you think of guys 6'2", 260, 6'3", you know, Chandler Jones. Um, just physical monsters. Yeah, Big guys. He's he's 6'1", like 230. 
235. These are the guys we root for, honestly. These are the guys yes. we root for. Yes. Yeah, maybe one day on the pod. Yeah. Go ahead. He's your lunch pail guy, right? Like yeah. these are your meat and potato guys. You know, it's it's nice when you meet people that do it from your hometown, right? Because it goes back to sure. where the origins started. It's just that for kids, this is attainable. It's if you make it a dream, it'll always stay a dream, right? Because dreams don't come true. Goals do. Yep. And yep. I, I'm a big believer in that. If you make goals, you will achieve them. If you make them dreams, they're too far out of reach and you know, people don't like to go through a ton of pain for something that's out of reach. So, you know, it's just if you can be a light for somebody that, hey, you know, I want to be a, a sounding board for, hey, I, I know that Ian guy, he did it. Um, he's from my area. It might not be easy, but it's it's a possibility. Your point, brother, I think, you know, it's truly a uh, an inspiration to hear people like you say that. And I, and, and that's the whole thing Vince and I have been trying to preach from day one. You know, we're, we're nothing too crazy. We're just two guys from the same town trying to make our goals happen and become real life. And, and we're getting there and we really appreciate you taking the time out today. We know you're very much so part of the local uh, Scottsdale and Arizona communities and, and what you do. Do you kind of want to take a moment and explain your role and, and what you do and what you try and help people do. Yeah. So I I've transitioned into residential real estate. I, I like to advise people on, you know, making one of the biggest decisions of their life, right. You right. know, the middle class uh, develops their wealth from real estate. So I understand the importance of making a smart financial decision. I understand the importance of neighborhoods and schools. Um, so I wanted to be able to help people in not have to deal with ticker tape, not have to say, oh, I don't know if I can get this promo idea approved. Uh, residential real estate allows me to just run my own things and take care of my own people and provide white glove service to everybody. I'm at Sotheby's, Russ Lyon, uh, Camelback Tower location. Uh, we mm -hmm. do specialize in luxury real estate, but we provide a luxury experience at all price points. So whether you're selling your $300,000 condo, which if you know of any of those in the area, I would love to know about it because they're oh, going to yeah. go quick. I don't think you can find anything at that price point or all the way up to, you know, we've, we've got 14 to $20 million properties listed with the company. So we have access to the auction house, which is pretty cool. So say you've got a card collection that you're looking to get up on Sotheby's uh, auction as you move. That's something that I can provide and help facilitate and get you into the auction house. Uh, nice. But it's been an incredible transition. It's just baseball changes and it leaves and it, it does leave a hole, right? You know, I will acknowledge sure. that baseball was such a passion, man. And it it will always have a place in my heart. Um, and then you transition into real estate. And I, I like to say, you know, from, from closing out games to closing out deals, you know, let me take the pressure off your hands. You know, I'm used to dealing it. with those situations. Um, I love cutting my teeth on stress and getting things done and doing stuff that most people can't. So I'm here to help people find homes and, and investment properties, whatever they're looking for. I'm just here to help support. Love it, man. Well, we thank you so much for taking the time out and joining us today. Uh, this will not be the last time we do this. We have so much more to talk about in the future. 
Um, and, and we really appreciate you being here, brother. Thank you so much. And, you know, I always say nothing happens by mistake. So meeting on a random and we just also happen to be from the same place is truly special. And we'll look forward to doing this with you again, Ian. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I can't thank you. Can't thank you guys enough. Um, two tremendous guys. Just it, it's really a blessing to be around two uh, fun sports fans that that love the game, love the story because everyone's got one and they're, they're telling guys stories, right? Because everybody's got a story to tell that's unique, that's uh, different, that's good and bad, right? And, and the more people that you get to share their story, you realize, you know, we're no different. Put on our pants the same way. We go through the same emotional struggles. So appreciate you guys letting me tell part of my story. And I look, I look forward to talking to you guys again. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you here soon. Thank you again to Ian for coming on the pod. I hope you enjoyed that interview. More of those are coming your way. That is a promise and a desire of ours. So. Big moves. Big moves. Before we finish out today, we got some other sports to touch on. We got our guy. Or is he our guy? Justin Fields. Maybe he unfollowed the bears. He <gasps> wants to be done. I know. I no know. tragedy. When it no. happened. Okay. First question of this. How yeah. do you figure that out? How do you figure that out? Is someone Someone's just watching? really bored every day? They're just like Justin Fields, Chicago bears. Oh, he doesn't follow him anymore. <laughs> or does he tell somebody that? So like it gets stirred up. Uh, no, I, I mean, his dog Uno also unfollowed the Bears. Oh, that's even worse. You know when your dog decides, you know what? Fuck this tail. Yeah. I'm not following him anymore. That's how you know. That's when true. Those cute little fuzzy fucks like unfollow. <laughs> I don't like. Here. I don't like bears anymore. I like dogs. Um, I mean, he was a he was a Georgia Bulldog, and he became a Ohio State yeah. Buckeye. So I don't know how that connects, but yeah, I mean, a Buckeye is a nut. Yeah, and he's yeah. not nuts and for a unfollowing. Delicious delicious dessert you would eat around the thanksgiving time period either way um yeah justin field says he's sick of it and we're you know kind of paraphrasing here but he went on the St. brown podcast yeah that's the only thing aquaminius is good at yeah i'm in raw i called on this podcast you did three years ago that he was going to be an absolute fucking dog and i was correct yeah. You know what? This is why if you're hearing us, Chicago Bears, um, you may want to give me give me some All right. insight. Yeah, so our here. entire team is just USC Trojans. <laughs> so <laughs> we might have another one. Half the time. We might have another one. Speaking of which, that's what this hubbub is all about, right? All the speculation right now, which you've heard this on this podcast. Yeah. For uh, the past two months, We're and you're to probably going to continue to hear about it the next two months. So yeah. buckle up, people, because we ain't finished. <laughs> but he's tired of this talk of are they trading him? Are they not? Are they keeping him? Are they going to trade the pick? Are they going to keep the pick? Are they going to do Okay. I don't blame him. It's okay. infuriating. Who's okay. to say though? Caleb Williams is the hundred percent lock of a pick. He's not for the Chicago Bears. Well, Merrill Hodge said, no, he's not that guy. Yeah, I don't know what Merrill Hodge does anymore, but Merrill Hodge actually is, he kind of knows what the fuck he's talking about. I'll give him that much. Yeah, but he was a big Trubisky and Zach Wilson guy. So it's always a Yeah, that's true. So you have two that you called out, Jadavian Clowney, 
Not a very good call out. Jadavian Clowney's been quite good in his career. So mm-hmm. just saying. And then you called out Mansell, which was the easiest call out ever, even though yeah. fucking Skip Bayless was just like, I think he's generational. And he's always right. Yeah. Always, <laughs> always babe. Um, either way, it was one of those situations where I was thinking about this on the airplane today. Like, okay. What if there's a scenario in a world in a where world. <laughs> in a world? <laughs> Never mind. <Okay>. So <laughs> with that in this world where the Bears trade the pick to the second pick and then take Drake May. What if what if that happens? Bad. Don't want. Why? Because we've done this. Why? We took the beautiful Why? white boy from North Carolina and it didn't work. And I don't How want do it you again. know? But I'm just saying he's not Mitch. He is so much bigger than Mitch. Like his sub archetype is more so of Josh Allen than it is of anyone. And Josh Allen is great in Buffalo. Similar climate. Very cold, windy, shitty weather. Yeah. What if you traded that pick to Washington for a haul? You take Drake May and you trade Justin Fields. I mean, and you get could, something for him. He could be Josh Allen or he could be Jake Locker. Paxton Lynch. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, like, that's the, I don't know. I would prefer. No, to it's take... always a catch 22. Yeah. But what you going to do? You know, I'm just saying it's one of those situations where. You got to pay attention because it yeah. could happen. But I truly believe Justin gets traded. Yep. Now, if he wants to be traded, I don't think they're really going to give him much say as where you can go. Mm. But where do you think he goes? Let's Atlanta. talk about this again. Atlanta. All right. All right. Depends on what they want to give I us. Could, but I could see a team like I could really see New England going. Maybe. Yeah. But then again. He wants to Who trade. Knows? He wants to draft his guy, though. Didn't he say that in that whole interview? He's like, we're oh, going to yeah. draft a very good guy in a very important position. I'll let you read between the lines. It's like not hard to read. Jared. Like Donald Trump is a GM. We're going to yeah. take the best guy around <laughs> in the most important position <laughs> in the most important position in the world. It's the best position. They asked me, why couldn't I play the position? I said, I just couldn't. <laughs> uh, either way, I think. It's going to be a sneaky team like the Steelers. Like the odds right yeah. now, if you look at gambling, is yeah. minus 250 that Russell Wilson goes to the Steelers. What? They trade Now, the there's also minus 125 odds that Justin Fields goes to the Steelers. So, we'll so they're giving up on Kenny and going Justin. I mean, it's not a horrible idea. Honestly, I'd take Justin Fields over Kenny Pickett. Supposedly, right uh, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, what's his name? Mike Tomlin, his name is. Mike Tomlin. Knew it was a Mike. It just really loves Justin. Yeah, he's Fields. a brand new coach. <laughs> I think Fields in Pittsburgh would be great, and you can you can get rid of him. Yeah, and you'll never see him again. And good riddance. Maybe that's just the Bears to Steelers pipeline. It's just constantly like yeah, there's high a draft pick, go to Steelers. High draft pick, go to Steelers. Caleb yeah. Williams, Steeler in 2028. <laughs> I hope not. I do believe that Caleb will be successful at the next I level. Do too. If you I really do break too. down all the tape and everything that he is, he knows what it's like to be a fucking millionaire. 
already. already. Yeah. So he's not going to worry about making it to the league and being, oh, it's not like he's going to get into a bunch of money and get let Blow it go it. to his head. He's yeah. he's already got a bunch of money. It's already in his head. <laughs> it's already in his head. <laughs> That's you the know, biggest like, concern, though. Can, you, can we talk about that for like three seconds? Can you believe that this fucking guy, millionaire in college, yeah. still playing with guys who are, you know, trying to make the fucking scout team yeah. at USC and on student loans and scholarship and shit like that and eating fucking ramen twice a week. And he's just chilling in his penthouse. Yeah. Banging I mean... hoes. <laughs> Banging whores. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's the reality of the situation. But what's totally. really what's really the difference between that and, like, you know, a practice squad guy and fucking Tom Brady, you know, or whatever it may be. Like I get it, but to the point, now he gets to the next level and everybody's a millionaire almost. almost. Right, which is, yeah, which is, I mean, the guys that he's going to be mostly working with, yeah, for sure. And we'll have our, you know, our mock draft. We we always do a top 10. And then years past, one year we did a full-blown mock draft, and we were on this show for like four That hours. was the sweatiest time I've ever had. I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> They're like, he's going to draft like, the backup tight end on Iowa. And you're like, who the fuck is this? And you're like, oh, it's Dalton Kincaid. Thank you. It's <laughs> like, what are you doing? All right. So my pick is Fugishi Awagashi. That's who? truly, that's the worst part. Is trying to pronounce some of the guys. You're like, I've never heard of them, yeah. and for some reason, I think that like the, the fucking the Bills are gonna draft this random like outside some linebacker. Some of these fucking corn-fed Kenyan kids who fucking get to the NFL and have these beasts. goofy fucking tribal. Well, names. dude, it's more so the fucking Samoan Hawaiian guys. Oh yeah, like the Pene Afagalus and yeah. shit. Or, or like when Tua cool. came in, it's like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. To his yeah. brother might get drafted. Maybe we put that in there just as a little brain t- or tongue we'll twister. We'll speculate. Yeah. We'll speculate. But I, everybody's talking about the first. The ninth pick is interesting to me. Yeah. So I was thinking about this a little bit this week. If they took another wide receiver, not necessarily named Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Are you about that life? Because I'm a little bit about that fucking life. Yeah. What's his fucking name? Roma name? Dunze? Yes. I'd be cool. Roma with that. Dunze. I'd yeah. be cool with that. Malik um, Neighbors? Malik Neighbors, Ooh. yeah, from LSU. I I would want Rome, I would say. But again, like there's a lot there's a lot of time between then and now. And I'm trying to see some of those intangibles. Or the, rather the tangibles, you know, speed and all that stuff. But I mean Roma Dunze is the fastest guy that's a wide receiver out of the three of them at the least, so Roma Dunze just reminds me a lot of his route running and capability of Devontae Adams. Like, that guy is a crisp route runner, great hands, maybe a little bit faster than Devontae even, but just yeah. like, wow. I mean, he looks like Chase Young. I don't know if you've ever seen his, like, draft picture. He does <laughs> kind of look like a dumbed-down Chase Young. Um, like a skinnier, not as bulky Chase yeah. Young. Yeah. Yeah. Skinnier, not as bulky Chase Young, but, dude, the guy is a freak. Agreed. And. If, cool if he it. drops to nine, I don't know if he's going to be there. But my whole thing is, like, is Malik Neighbors just as good? Yeah. Because Malik Neighbors reminds me a lot of Jalen Waddle. Yeah, which, in case you didn't know, is pretty good at football. Pretty fucking good. I would not be against them going for an offensive lineman, too, though. 
because well, what if you have a higher grade on an offensive lineman in the second or third day like a which second is good round i mean they're gonna have to draft two to three offensive I, linemen this, this i draft. will give credit to ryan pace <laughs> polls ptsd yeah. don't give don't give credit to that guy gun chat. <laughs> um I it's, will give credit to Poles. He can draft offensive linemen particularly yep. well. Yeah, because you you are one. You can find one. Is Ryan Pace Usually. is in Atlanta, correct? Ryan Pace is in Atlanta, or was, and I think he's gone now because is he? Oh, because everything yeah. turned around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I but, think he's back with the Saints organization. He's back with his boy Mickey. He yeah he's Mickey he's nowhere right now according to this I was gonna say if he's with oh. Atlanta then Fields the Fields oh Atlanta God over. when he would be in press conferences talking about I want us to be an elite football team we're gonna play hard we're gonna do this eh, Mitch Trubisky eh, Kevin White oh God Kevin White no I don't okay let's Kevin not harp White. on the bad times let's look forward to the new bad times it's gonna be good for us we're all let's gonna talk enjoy about the good times the yeah. best of times all right let's talk about the nba, NBA all-star, all-star game, game. bro I did didn't you catch any of this no. yeah okay so first off no one watched it so that's the first thing adam silver said hey we're gonna put on a whole entire game and it's gonna be very exciting and all this stuff he said that before i mean it was lip service you watch the game, and it is brutal. Like, yeah, cool things happen. It's kind of fun that the good guys are playing against each other, but no one plays defense. You're watching, like, a horrible exhibition where people are trying to do, like, backwards flip trick shots and all this BS. The three-point contest is still fun. The Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu, that was cool. I enjoyed that. That was fun. The dunk contest was horrible. And I have a take... And I don't know if we talked about it on here, but I believe that LeBron James single-handedly ruined the dunk contest. <laughs> and here's why. Okay. LeBron, LeBron James was the first elite prospect guy that comes in, you know, slam jamma young, talented, all that stuff. The first guy, if you're comparing him to, like, the Jordans and the Kobe's, Jordan comes in, Jordan does the dunk contest. Kobe comes in, Kobe does the dunk contest. Kind of a rite of passage. LeBron skips it and essentially sets a precedent like, you don't have to do this anymore. This is beneath you. Let the other guys do it. And it's kind of true because since then it's gone down, down, down. Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, very cool, but not the top prospect guys. Now we're looking at Jalen Brown had probably the worst tongue contest. Like the shit he was doing, he jumped over Kai Sinat. Kai Sinat's like 5'3". You're like, every NBA player is able to do this shit. And then, I, dude, I don't know. All I'm saying is that Mac McClung can't participate in every dunk contest because he's not even on an NBA team. He's on the G League. Get a guy that's a premier player that comes in, does something cool, and that's highlight worthy. Instead, remember of when we everything. went to a G League game, Vince? We did. I do the Windy City great Bulls. Times, man. Yeah, like the we, local we Girl Scout day. troop was there, and me and Mike. <laughs> yeah, and we were there, and there was like, you know, it's like it's halftime. All right, the local Girl Scout troop's gonna do a little dance. We're like, yeah. we feel really weird. This now. is weird. I need to go. <laughs> yeah, let's come back. Uh, the, you did get a free. Uh, you got a you got a free fry from Mickey D's, and you yep. also got a free Big Mac. Yeah. But it is cool to watch lower level guys. I feel like I they played a lot more defense and you know, it was a it was a good time. For ten bucks a ticket, where the fuck are you going? Yeah. There was more hunger to it, which is which is cool. You see guys that are trying their best to make it up there. Yeah. They're trying but, they're trying their absolute hardest to make it. So I don't know. So 
this is a thing with every sport, but the All-Star Games, the Pro Bowls, everything's been kind of ruined, essentially. The MLB All-Star Game is kind of fun, but it, you don't no longer have to play for anything. Like Right. Like, this is the issue with All-Star Games in general. Yeah. You look at where where they went from the time we were kids. Yeah. Right? In the early 2000s was probably, like, the dream era yeah. of all All-Star Games. But is this it, us it was like the thing you look forward to. old men screaming at clouds, though? Like, is it Damn like it. we're older? Yeah. These Damn kids it, don't, don't understand. <laughs> you should have seen back in the day when I was a kid. <laughs> back in my day, they used to jump over Kias. Yeah. Like, Anyways. yeah. Blake Griffin jumped over a Kia when I was a young man. <laughs> he jumped over a Kia. He wore a cape, damn it. Get out there and do it again. Yeah, Dwight Howard was to... a dog in him. Like, it was so fun. And I don't I know. I used to play NBA Live. And in NBA Live 2001, you could do the dunk contest. Yeah. And the guys were literally doing gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could throw the ball off the backboard, do a full somersault, jump 10 feet in the air, yeah. and with douche. And if you time um, it properly and tap enough buttons, it goes in. <laughs> yeah, that was a button mashing fest. Yeah, like, holy sure. shit, it worked. Yeah. But it was like. Not believable, but fun. But right. to the point, the dunk contests back then were awesome. I loved them. You look forward to LeBron being in them. You look forward to Kobe being in them. MJ mm -hmm. jumped from the fucking free throw yeah. line. Come on. It's cool. Now it's just like low-level dudes, Max McClung. It's just like, watch the white which, boy jump. Which, yeah, he's very wow, good Wow, he dunking. can jump. Wow. But, yeah, like once you get to that point, just go on Instagram and find the best dunker and then just have him come in. Like a guy that only dunks. Like that's essentially what they're doing. Is it something that it's lost its mystique and it, we're just doing like it's essentially lip service for everybody? Or have we seen every dunk and there's not really anything else that anybody can do? Well, because we've seen a lot of dunks. I That's fine. And I know you're going to have new reiterations of things year after year after yeah. year. That's fine. I do believe, though, that it, it's still fun. It, it, you'd pay far more attention if Vince Carter was in. If guys like, yeah, you know, let's Vince Carter did it. it too. Yeah, there you go. There's another one. If Zach Levine was in the game, if you know, what's the guy on the Timberwolves that everybody loves? Anthony, Anthony Edwards would be so Anthony, good. So Anthony good Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, John ja Morant, John sure. ja Morant, John ja Morant. Ja Morant. He's not being a gangster. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's been a good guy's a gangster. His real name's Clarence. <laughs> Listen, that's allowed. At the end of the day, I don't think all-star games are ever going to be that good anymore. I think, no. honestly, as much as we hate it on it, I feel like the NFL kind of pivoted correctly, and they were like, let's just make it like a fun, stupid event. Let's just make it like a kids. fun, silly day. Yeah. yeah. You know, celeb all-star game, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and then no, they did I the mean, celebrity All Star game, and half of the celebrities no one knew. <laughs> well, like at least Kobe used to bring, R.I.P. Kobe. Kobe to the NBA All Star game used to bring competition and actually play defense. Yeah. These guys, Kobe said it best. The All Star game, he goes, any more these guys would play harder at a UCLA pickup game. Well, and this is so the earlier when we were talking about everybody being all chummy and friends, like that's a thing too. Is like. Back in the day, and a lot of these guys said it, and again, I don't want to be an angry man yelling at clouds, but a lot of them were like, listen, if they were on a different team, we didn't like them. Or like when the U.S. went to the Olympics and Kobe like knocked down Pau Gasol and didn't help him up. He's like, we're not teammates right now. In the NBA, it's like, oh, like I'll, I'll be on your team next year, so I'm going to get all nice and happy with you now, and then we can move from there, you know? So, you all right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Sorry. Life. 
It's Sorry. wife, wife life, baby. Sorry. Sorry, wife life. Wife life. Um, yeah, no, with all that being said, uh, I don't disagree. I think it's just get rid of it. Yeah. There's. I didn't even know the game was going on, and I usually know. this is a legit hoe fest. Yeah. Like, all the Instagram hoes are there, but it was in Indiana, right? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, they did a lot of cool, like, Pacers tribute old stuff, whatever. Are, are the hoes going out to the cornfields looking for that corn daddy D? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so we, you are want they? a farm? You want a farm? Wow. You want a cow tip? <laughs> oh, my God. That's... I feel, so like wait, that's some shit that I, it, I feel like that's some shit that I would say. You can't. Like, you're rubbing off on me, Vince. Corn daddy. <laughs> corn daddy dick. And then, like, are they just like, oh, it's like, so you have courtside seats? <laughs> cool. I love I know, but We go to a rodeo. <laughs> fucking Indiana. True. I mean, Indiana used to be so Hoosier, mm -hmm. no pun intended, that when Spike when Spike Williams showed up to Indiana during the, I think it was the 92 or 93 finals when the Pacers yeah. played the Knicks, like they showed up in like the, like clan outfits and shit. And they were like, yeah. yeah, like back then it was, it was still known that the Indiana, but man, they were still, that's where the KKK yeah. was found. And they were, they were like, it yeah. was aggressive. Go watch that 30 for 30, by the way. There's um, stories of it. Which one? The, the Hoosier country or whatever the hell is called? No, it was. no, it was uh, it's it's the um, it's Reggie versus Spike. Oh, it, it's where Reggie Miller hit like four threes in a row in 13 seconds. Wasn't that in to 1999? No, that was early 90s because they went to one, I think, again. In no, I think it was either. No, it was 91 or either 93 or 94. Because Jordan wasn't in the league, and that was your chance. Oh. Well, no, the Rockets right. went for two years. Right. The Rockets did go, but the Knicks played right. the Rockets. Got right? it. Coming together. 94-95, I think, is the year. Right. Um, so. Yeah, man. I think you just got to be more competitive at the end of the day. And if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. It is what it is. But more Isaiah Stewart's. Less, you know, Indiana in the 90s. But there's stories. You know about Utah too, like Stephen Jackson has said it plenty of times. Like Utah's, you don't want to go there. <laughs> he's like, he's, I've heard a lot of things from them that I don't need to, I don't need to hear again. So, you know what did happen over the weekend, Vince? But it got what? rained out, and they pushed it to Monday night. But oh, Daytona five hundred, fucking Daytona five hundred happened yep. over the weekend, and it was a, it was a beautiful day. How did that go? William Byron won. It's getting to a point where I don't know these fucking guys anymore. It's like, oh, Sus Garmosa won the race. Oh, great. Um, but I caught the highlights. I can't watch a full race anymore. You yeah. Know, if I think if I go to a race, that's fine. But I, I love I love the first 20 laps and I love the last 20 laps. Yeah. Of NASCAR race. Right. I feel like that's the fun. And they, they tried to make it more fun with the heats and the this and the it's fine. But ultimately, these cars are great. And these guys are driving really great right now. Alex Bowman and William Byron. I mean, truly, these guys are becoming like names in their sport. Chase Elliott, to me, is probably the best driver the in guy, the sport yeah. overall. 
he's got the lineage. He's got the background. His, his dad was Bill Elliott. Bill Elliott's argu- arguably one of the greatest NASCAR drivers to ever do it. Bill Elliott, fun fact, uh, first man to ever go 200 miles an hour in a NASCAR. Really? Fun fact. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. One thing I did learn uh, yeah, from Daytona 500 this what's that? Uh, year. Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin own a team together. Yeah, I could see that. And Denny yeah. Hamlin doesn't race for that team. Well, I mean, he hey, races that's, for Gibbs that's good still. Business. He's good like, I business, bought a baby. team. Yeah, I, there was an interview. He's like, I bought a team, and then I still race for Gibbs. So in the best wor- best way possible, I come in first, and then my team comes in second and third. <laughs> like, that's such a weird – that's like MJ owning the Wizards and still playing for the Bulls. <laughs> it's kind of wild. Yeah, I, I don't know how you get rid of that loophole, but he's setting himself up. And, it's fine, you know, yeah. unfortunately, Bubba Wallace yeah. is doing good. I Bubba, like I, I like Bubba Wallace. I'll come out and say it. He's a funny little guy. Don't, don't be saying that. Don't be saying that out in the open, buddy. Not in Indiana. Yeah. I think no. one thing that we can get into NASCAR is maybe a little more tolerance <laughs> because that shit was wild when all that was going around. I'm like, this is fucked well, that up. Kind of. Yeah. No. So it's just like he's just a crybaby. That's my whole thing. A little bit. A little bit. A touch he's, of it. Do you know his his dad or not his dad, but his like uncle is Rusty Wallace? Don't know who that is. That's where I got the Wallace last name from. Rusty Wallace. Rusty Wallace used to drive the Miller light car, buddy. Mm. See, I too. NASCAR Wallace was a fucking legend. (laughs) Okay, your dad knows who Rusty Wallace is. Sure, he does. Who's Rusty Wallace? You know, that's when they had good names in NASCAR, like Rusty. Yep. And Ward. Dale and Dale. Yeah. I mean, truly, some some of the Tony greatest Stewart. Bill Jack shit. <laughs> well, Tony Stewart know, is Tony Zipadelli. Tony is Stewart is, I believe, I have a theory on Tony Stewart, the NASCAR driver. So Tony Stewart had a crew chief, a guy by the name of uh, Tony, uh, no, Greg Zipadelli. Okay, how you doing? They looked exactly alike. Okay. The theory is, okay, that Tony Stewart was in witness protection as Tony Stewart and his brother was Greg Zipidelli. Greg wasn't mobbed up, so Greg chose a different last name to stay in the Italian circle. Okay, Tony decided to go the other way because he had to be accepted by all the fucking rednecks, right? Stewart's a lot more easy to explain than Zipidelli. Yeah. So with all that being said, Tony Zipidelli, in theory, Tony Stewart, I'm telling you, telling they you. call each other brothers. They Think say I'm... they're good friends. Someone, some might say. Someone's eating pasta. How you Sunday? doing, Mr. Zipadelli? Tell me what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. That's all and I'm then, saying. And then on top of that, okay. Okay. He killed the guy. Yeah, that did happen. Not purpose, but he killed the guy. Yeah, that was a big whoopsie daisy. Uh, Yeah. Whoop. So, <laughs> moral of the story. Don't kill people, everybody. Um, Speaking of a career that got killed completely, Wander Franco is back in the news, bud. Wander Franco. Jeff Passan releases a a news story with new details about Wander Franco, and it showed it showed um what's the what's the the app that people use that to what's text that? each other? What's that? Thank you. What's Thank that? You. 
He was well, sending anyway. WhatsApp to, and for people that don't remember, Wander Franco kicked out of the MLB right now. He had a relationship with like a 14-year-old in the Dominican Republic. Real gross, real gross stuff. Um, WhatsApp messages came out way grosser than you thought. Way grosser than you thought. Extremely manipulating. Um, I'm not going to read the whole one thing because it's gross, but check it out if you one want to. One could say grooming. Yeah. Oh, considerably. He was saying stuff like, you know, you're mine. I'm going to raise you correctly. Like weird shit like that. Like gross. And then at the end, he said, if my team realizes this, it could cause a lot of problems for me. It is a rule for all teams that we cannot talk to minors. And yet I took the risk and I loved it. He said that? Yeah. He said in his WhatsApp to this girl. Gross. Gross. Get him well, out of here. Well, he's never going to play in the MLB ever, ever again. Done. He, he'll be playing in the uh, the Panama City Jail League. Yep. Um. Wow. He went from first he to worst. he said he loved it. Now you can't deny anything. He said he loved every minute of it. Right. And he took the risk and he knew uh. it and, like, all this shit. And, like, he went to the Rays, and then she started dating somebody else, and he started getting gross about it, even though she's a child, and you're a grown man, you sick, sick, you think, sick like, kid. Do you think as he's sending these text messages, he's got, like, R. Kelly's trapped in the closet playing in the background? Probably, man. 7 o'clock in the morning, the Rays from the snow wakes me. What they don't make me shit. He's just like, real talk. Real no. talk. Listen. Oh, bitch, I wish you would burn my motherfucking clothes. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to raise you right. Funny as it is, at the end of the day, it is unbelievably gross. And Wait. Have you ever seen the video of Art Kelly like, like recruiting women from Ethiopia no. in a concert that he did? No. Oh, no. So, oh, look it up. Can we play it? Let's play it. Okay. This is gonna can take can we second. play it? Maybe. Can we I, play it? Maybe. <laughs> Just type in R. Kelly, Ethiopia, and oh, he's God. like, do you have your shots? Do you have oh, your passports? Oh, I have seen this. Do you want to come your to America? Yeah. He's like, do you have your shots? That's Wander Franco. It literally is. It do literally you is. Wanna... To America. Play it. I don't, I don't know it. if it's going to let me share it on here. Why? I got to figure it because it's going to go full screen. Oh, all right. Never mind. I can edit it in after. <laughs> Do right. you have your house? Do you have a house? <laughs> That's so bad. Do you want to come back <laughs> with Robert? That is sick. Uh, R. Kelly, bad guy, artist from art, or art from artist. There's a couple bangers in there. Wander Franco, never coming back to the MLB again. From first no. best prospect to worst best prospect. But there's other guys in the MLB that need to get paid, Mike. And there there's is, other guys, There's other guys that are holding out for a considerable amount of time. A lot of money. A lot of money. Let's say the MLB pitchers and catchers report. Let's say they're reported right now. Right. Would you say the vast majority of free agents you would assume would be signed? The best guys. The A-tier guys. The best. Not the case. Right now we're sitting in a situation where you have guys like Blake Snell, Cy Young winner, Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger, resurgent year for the Cubs, Tim Anderson from our side of town. He won the bang title a couple times. You got Jordan Montgomery without a team right now, Evan Longoria, Will Myers, Michael Brantley. You got guys. You got real guys that don't have teams right now. And 
it's honestly, I feel like it's kind of an issue. So the situation that's currently going on what? is supposedly guys want more money than teams are willing to offer them, and they're holding out until teams offer that. There comes a time where supply and demand happens. MLB contracts have been going through the roof, and now there's a situation where you have 10, 15 guys that should be on MLB rosters that aren't in there. At that point, dude, maybe they're asking for too much money, right? I don't know. The market yields one thing if they think that they're at a certain level, like Matt right. Chapman thinks he's at a certain level. Same thing with Cody Bellinger to go get paid bags. They don't necessarily need to report to any team. But if you don't get signed, then what? You just chill. You Anthony Rendon it. That's right. not his life. It's oh just his job. God. That was the worst quote. I hate Anthony that. Rendon deserves a swift kick in the testicles. It's not what he said. It's the way he said it. Anthony Rendon yeah, said douche. that his family is more important than baseball, which is true. But like he's Brian like, Kelly. He's like, Baseball's not a priority to me. <laughs> it's just like, why did you say it like that? And it's obviously not. He plays like shit now that he's on then, the Angels. Then here, Jagoff, give me um give me two percent of your salary, please. Well, yeah, he's on he's on the early retirement track, aka signing with the Los Angeles Angels. So good for True. him, I suppose. Um, but also he's the worst and that's not the way you want athletes to talk. Regardless, you know, say it like you I guess say what you mean and he did. Say it with your chest. <laughs> Um, but regardless, Manfred, Rob Manfred, the man, the myth, the legend that every man loves, who's Fred, he suggested a free agency period like other leagues implement. So you can sign from a yeah. to D or you can't sign until the season starts. I think that's not a bad idea personally, because I think it's a now I agree with that. These guys are always going to hold out as long as right. they can. You know, usually this is a Boris move. Mm -hmm. And I would be interested to see if the Blake Snells, Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger, Tim Anderson. I know Tim Anderson isn't represented by Boris, but I believe I Blake Snell and be Cody now. Bellinger are. Yeah. Either way, he waits to the very last minute and says, no, this is our number. We're not moving off of it. And then if there's no traction there, then you try and get close. Yeah. And then you pull a Chris Bryant and you go sign with the Rockies and nobody's heard of this guy ever again. Right, and he sucks. So that's okay. So that's my thought. That's why I like the free agency period because there's an end to it, and then you can't sign other dudes until the season starts. So you're going to miss the entire spring training, sure. all that, and that's you know payback for not signing, I suppose. Um, now, there's no market value or there's no salary cap, obviously. So you can pay people no whatever. cap. But if, no it keeps, if it keeps going up, people keep getting paid. There is an end to it at some point. Right. It feels like right now it's like, hey, you're asking for too much money. I know that's what you want. Like, Scott Boris has never been bit in the ass by asking for too much and it never happening. Like, this could go a couple months, man. And if it does, like, I wouldn't blame teams. Like, usually I'm on the sides of players get paid, players get paid, players get paid. We have got... There's, I'm looking at a conducive list right now of at least 25 guys that deserve to be on MLB teams. Like, you think everybody's going to get their macho huge deal with there's 25 guys left still? Like, fuck that. I'm surprised some of these guys haven't been signed. If you look at the list, guys like Eddie Rosario. Like, yeah. That guy has been a dog Yep. in the MLB for a but long he time. He probably wants consistent starter money, and he's probably not going to get that. Hey, hey, what about A.J. Pollock? No, leave him off. Come on, AJ Pollock was sold to us. This is the second coming of fucking Scott Pazetti. I mean, he was day. he was pretty good on the Dodgers, so it you know. 
I don't know, dude. Julio Urias. He was okay guy. on the Dodgers. He was pretty good. He was pretty good. The year before, we picked him up, regardless. you I don't know, dude. You're just looking at a whole list yeah, of dudes Yeah, Blake right Snell, now. though. Blake Snell just won a Cy Young. Jordan Montgomery be. isn't signed yet. Yeah, dude, I Jordan know. Montgomery isn't signed yet. That's insane to me. You're considering just, he pitched his ass off in the in the playoffs. There's too many guys on this list right now. Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi also isn't signed. Too many guys on this list for everybody to get the contract that they want. I don't know how it's going to get resolved at the end of the day, but it is a situation where you're like, too many guys. Supply has taken over the demand at this point, and something's got to happen with it. And I feel like maybe coming down on some contracts is a good idea because when there isn't a salary cap stopping that, which, again, I prefer because I think salary caps are stupid, pay people what they're worth. But that also means that there is a worth, and at some point that might not be your worth anymore, bud. I don't know what to tell you. Blake Snell, that's rough, but he's probably looking for a long-term deal, and people don't give long-term deals to arms. So I don't know how well, it gets fixed, Blake, man. Blake Snell's, what, 30 or 32? He might be younger, to be honest. I'm not entirely sure. Let me check. Well, you, in my opinion, you'd want to go 31. Yeah, 31. Okay, so 31. No, you're not getting a six-year deal. Maybe try and go get a four-year deal where you get paid and you can go play for a contender. New York is is the current buzz. Well, New York just tries to load up, and then they fizzle out at the playoff time. They got Um, Juan Soto. Yeah. Don't forget that. Juan Soto was so great on the Padres, they couldn't wait to get rid of him. I mean, the only team he hasn't been good on is the Padres, if we're being, you know, he was amazing on the Nationals. He's been on two fucking teams. (laughs) Yeah, and he was amazing on the Nationals. 50% of that has been dog shit. No, more like 10% of his entire career. (laughs) Whatever. The only thing I'm getting at is, is like, dude, there needs to be something here that, I don't know. These guys, I just think they need to lower their expectations. Blake Snell will go to contender. Now, I think Cody Bellinger winds up back in Chicago. I There's do, no too. Doubt about At this it. point, I do, I too. think Jed Hoyer just calling the bluff. He's like, hey, we'll be patient. Whatever works. Yep. And however Which, that looks, it looks. I think all the owners are like, hey, let's stop getting boat raced by these assholes and just stay doing yeah, number. It's like we're just not it. paying. We'll stick to our number. Here's our number. If you're willing right. to sign, we'd love to have you. Thank go you play in Japan or some shit if they want to pay you that much. Like that's Yeah, go go play right for the for the Sakura. Right. Cuz at go the end of the day the like I don't know. Like there's always the conversations like if the guy's good enough then he's got all the bargaining chips in his favor. I hope I hope Trevor and, Bauer gets the shot. I kind of do too, do. man. After all the shit that's come out and stuff, I'm kind of yeah. like just put him back in there like, you know. Marcelo Zuna is still playing baseball, and he's a huge piece of shit. And it seems like Trevor Bauer didn't do anything, if everything is true that's been said. No, he like, didn't. Yeah, I, be- he I believe it. Yeah. to prove it. I believe it, too, but, you know, regardless, he deserves to be in the MLB as well. And I don't think he's looking for Blake Snell money. So that's that on that. I I think that the MLB needs to uh, needs to figure this problem out. Maybe out of reason. Where's Timmy period. going? Where's Timmy going? Angels. Early retirement. Early retirement. I think Tampa might be a spot for him. Could be, but they're not going to pay more than the Sox would. No, but they'll pay what the Sox would. I'm surprised he didn't get like a deal with like the Reds or like a team that's desperate. Yeah. Just wants a face. I could see it. I, you know, that's the thing, too. There's a lot of good young shortstops in the league right now. And if he has a year like he had last year, if he has issues like he had last year, then some teams are probably like, stay away from that. 
So it depends on what people think. But I still think he's going to have a great year this year. I think he's going to have a good bounce back, and I wish he was a White Sox. But at the end of the day, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I don't. I, I think he's just become a locker room cancer. Yeah. Which Bang sucks. everything that moves, having numerous children. Well, one with a different lady. That's, <laughs> that's the she thing. was a nice lady. Yeah. Uh, but regard, like, yeah, it's that became a distraction amongst other things. There was so many things about the White Sox locker room. that He got just was, that was not crazy. himself last year. And, right. You know, anybody who signs him, I think he's going to get a one year deal. Prove it year. And I think he'll probably prove it. And I think so. And I'm rooting for him at the I'm rooting for him at the end of the day. I, I hope he's good. We'll see. We'll see. Matt Chapman would be a great addition on the White Sox, but that'll yep. never happen. We're not signing anybody else. This is our team now. Mike Soroka or, or die. <laughs> Who's Mike Soroka? He's a starting pitcher for the White Sox this year, bud. You better oh, start boy. doing your research. <laughs> he oh, came from boy. the he came from the Braves. He had a decent year. He had a really bad year. It's you know, that's what we're looking at. And then we got a sweet. Couple, we got a couple guys that one of the dudes and I forgot his name went to Japan or went to Korea because he couldn't get signed to a team and then he played well there and then he came back and now he's on the White Sox. So we're gonna be so good this year. We're gonna be so good. This Find year. the value in the lowest places possible. Yeah, Brandon it's money, Crawford. It's money ball, see, but no money. I could see Brandon Crawford potentially becoming yep. a White Sox or Brandon Belt. If you just take the current list of free agents and you put all stars above two and age above thirty five, we'll sign all of them, and none of them will. And be then able we'll to do spin anything. it off like, look at what we did, right? And then you go previous team and you say Royals, then you double down on that shit. Mike Mustakis, it's White a shame. Sox. It's a shame that Eric Hosmer retired today because he would be a great Nicky White Lopez, Sox. White Sox immediately. Immediately. Chris Getz, White Sox. Remember him? I can't Just do saying. this. Bring us Salvi Perez. Can't do this anymore. Bring okay. us. Bring us. Bring us an outfielder. Oh, did you hear that Eloy Jimenez uh, said he's going to play 150 games this year? Yeah, I have dreams too, bud. It is what it on, is. on what legs exactly? This motherfucker farts and tears his back <laughs> at. He runs like a baby deer, man. I don't know. He we'll does. S- we'll see how. He, does, I mean, he can't. He's afraid to stretch a single into a double. How in the fuck are you going to play 150 games? Okay, over under. I want him to, but I don't think he's going to. Over under, Eloy Jimenez plays 60 games. Over. Over. Yeah, but not a lot over. I'll give him half a season, directly in half. Huh. 81. All right. 81. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's see. Let's see where we take it. Let's yeah. see where we take it. The White Sox buckle up. I'm going to be in full effect. I'll report live. Let's go. I'm going to be reporting live on Monday. Good. See if I can catch up with TLR, my boy Tony. <laughs> We're friends now. That's my Your guy. <laughs> We're going to go drive drunk together and just see oh, what no. happens. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I was explaining to my wife. That I was like, you know, he got like two DUIs in like six months. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah. And he was living out here. And she goes, no way. I said, yeah, yeah. here, look. And then the White Sox hired him. <laughs> They're like, two Deweys deep. You have a we like that get in here. We like that. We like that a mess. lot. What a mess. Just sell the team, Jerry. Just sell the team. If you were hearing this, sell the team to somebody who fucking cares, please. Goddamn agree. Because you clearly don't. But. We're back into baseball, people, and we yeah. hope you enjoy it so, so much. It's baseball season. It's that time to get excited. It's that time to get ready for it. 
right? Right. Right. I mean, we're doing that. We're having former MLB pitchers on the show. Yeah. Guy thanks again. I love you. Thanks. Thanks. Lightning. Thank you so much, Ian. We appreciate you. That won't be the last of that guy, by the way. Mm-mm. He's coming no back. No shot. Not, not a chance. Uh, but with all that, we appreciate you stopping in today. I feel like Mr. Rogers. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> and with all of that, you know the drill. We're on every major platform that you get your podcast. We're on every platform that you listen to content. Okay, including the YouTubes. Mm-hmm. So if you want to see these faces on the YouTubes, you should go subscribe and maybe leave a comment. Tell us why we're like, stupid. comment, download, download. Please. Hammer oh. that download button for us because that just lets us know you're listening and we appreciate that. And then as always, you know, share it to your siblings. Do it. You got a brother. Do it. You got a sister. Maybe you got a half sister. Maybe you got a half brother. Maybe they're into the sports talk too. share it with them. Because I'm sure they'd get a chuckle out of it. And not only that, I'm sure they'd enjoy having time with the boys. Yeah. So as always, we will see you next week. Peace.